Chris Cuomo may be out at CNN, but he wants $125 million, and he's backstabbing the network, now accusing CNN of malfeasance and unethical journalism, which I find kind of funny, because the things he's calling them out for, we mostly know about, and he could have called them out when he worked there. So it just goes to show what his real intentions are. He's going to hurt the network for the sake of hurting them because he wants money. But this would be interesting to talk about because we also have another story. The New York Times now finally admitting once and for all the Hunter Biden laptop story was real. And that has serious implications for Joe Biden, the current president. While we are seeing this war in uh, between Ukraine and Russia, how we may be involved in it. And now, based on New York Times' admission, plus we already knew the laptop was real, we have questions about Joe Biden's conflicts of interest with this country. We could be we could be looking at World War Three, and we know this guy is, has got illicit business dealings here. This is going to be uh, – it's just bad. So we'll talk about that. We've also got the U.S. dumping more out of our strategic oil reserves. We've got gas being stolen in huge quantities because the prices are so high. And we have this story. Russia is funneling cash to anti-fossil fuel climate extremists. Apparently, one thing that Russia is trying to influence is stopping the U.S. from having energy. And it makes sense. Putin wants to destroy us. What do you do? Go after their infrastructure, divide the country. We'll be getting into all of that stuff. Joining us to discuss this is Congressman Randy Weber. Would you like to introduce yourself, sir? Well, thank you. I sure will. You can pull, you can pull the mic up. I, I sure will. I appreciate that. That's a little bit better. Uh, g- great to be here. Randy Weber, Congressional District 14 in Texas. Uh, we are the Gulf Coast of Texas, starting from Louisiana and go down those four counties. We've got seven ports, more than any other member of Congress. Uh, we export about 90% of the nation's LNG from our district. Uh, we have a lot of refining. We produce 60, uh, almost 20% of the nation's gasoline east of Rockies. LNG for people who aren't familiar. Li- uh, liquefied natural gas. You betcha. Uh, 20% of the nation's gasoline east of the Rockies. My ports don't include Houston, the port of Houston. If you jump up 25 miles north of me and get the port of Houston, it's 80% of the nation's jet fuel. Wow. And 45% of the nation's uh, gasoline east of the Rockies. We are a huge energy exporting district. A lot of hunting, fishing, farming. Tell you what, there's more concealed handgun licenses, uh, licenses in my district in Texas than any other member of Congress in Texas. And I'm assuming in the United States. But you matter. don't need them anymore. We, that's right. They've gone to that's constitutional right. carry. Absolutely. You Beautiful. You betcha. <laughs> Love it. You betcha. And so we were glad to see that. And I, yeah. you know, I served in the Texas House for four years before I got demoted to Congress. Ah. And, and I actually was able to carry on the floor of the House all four years. We, we need that privilege. Uh, we, uh, we have that privilege up here in DC. It's just that the left doesn't get it. Mm. Regular people in D.C. don't have that privilege. The working uh, class people. Well, don't. that's right. That's right. They are. I mean, they're communists in D.C. already, and they want to become a state. No thanks. Yep. Um, yep. And I so hear you. I have a concealed handgun license in Washington D.C. It wasn't easy to get, and it was very expensive. But wow. Citizens, and you're in Congress. And that's right. But wow. citizens should not have to go through that. It, yep. It's communism. I mean, Hitler knew it. Take away the guns first. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Well, we got a lot to talk about. Thanks for joining us. We also okay. have Lisa Reynolds. Hi guys, I'm Lisa Reynolds. I do communications on the Hill for Congressman Randy Weber. Oh, I gotta get closer to yeah, the line now. Yeah, keep it close. I always do that. Um, and I do political consulting, so here we are. Perfect. Cool. And I'm Seamus Coglin. <laughs> I make cartoons. I have a YouTube channel yeah. called Freedom Tunes. If you guys want to check that out, I just released a cartoon today, sort of lampooning the fact that we are constantly using World War II nostalgia to try to rope America into foreign conflicts. So if you guys want, please go check that out. Even if you don't want to, check it out anyway. Uh-huh. Leave a comment <laughs> telling me how much you hate it. I love the engagement. And Seamus, yeah. do you know what day it is? 
It's uh, I, no, actually. What is? Is there what something significant? Is there some kind of significant Irish <laughs> festivity occurring? Some sort of Irish American festivity? Yeah, not, that is correct. It is St. Patrick's. I'm not Day. wearing green. St. Patrick's is a great whiskey. man. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. do. Yeah, we. It's good yeah. Irish whiskey. We sure do. Mm-hmm. I think we do. I think so. Oh, we have Scot. We have Scottish whiskey. Oh, no, that's not the same. Oh, close enough. That's not, the same. <laughs> not close enough. <laughs> Randy's wearing green. You're wearing green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that it? I don't need to. You know, I very much don't need to. He does not. It's true. People get the memo. It's true. It goes. Around. News gets around about Seamus. It is St. Patrick's Day. I am the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. I'm very oh. excited for tonight's conversation. Let's get going. Ian is not here tonight. That's he is true. out sick. Seamus mm-hmm. will be taking his place. I mean, Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com, become a member. We're going to have a members-only segment coming up around 11 or so p.m. And as a member, you are keeping all of our journalists gainfully employed. They're all very excited to hear that people are signing up on the regular, so we really do appreciate it. And again, you'll get access to those members-only segments. You don't want to miss them. So don't forget, also, smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show right now, take that URL, post it wherever you can. It's the most powerful thing you can do to help out. Let's read this first story. And I want to talk about Chris Cuomo because... We have a story from TimCast.com. Chris Cuomo accuses Don Lemon and Jake Tapper of violating journalism ethics. The reason why I think this is is fun to start off with, because it shows the inner workings at some of these big media companies. Cuomo himself, he's ousted from CNN. He's now accusing other employees at CNN of wrongdoing. But he knew they were doing this while he was there, and Uh he said nothing. I'm sure these other people who work there know they're all doing things that are bad. And considering what we see consistently with the media lies, I just thought it would be good to start off today with just very, very, uh, you know, deep breath, deep breath, and they're admitting they're liars. It's so good. good. Chris Cuomo now is backstabbing the organization. I'm glad to see it. I am glad to see it, too. One thing I think is hilarious, though, is Chris Cuomo coming forward and saying the people need to know. CNN isn't reliable. (laughs) Someone has to tell them. If not me, well, how will they know? Let me read this real quick. Chris Cuomo is seeking $125 million from CNN for allegedly wrongfully terminating him, and he is throwing his former colleagues under the bus in his attempt to get it. In his arbitration demand filed on Wednesday, Cuomo alleged that Jake Tapper, Don Lemon, former CNN president Jeff Zucker, and former executive Allison Gallist mm. engaged in blatant breaches of journalistic ethics. What? Quote, as long as Zucker and Gallist believed CNN's ratings would benefit, they were more than willing to disregard breaches of traditional journalistic standards by CNN personalities such as Don Lemon and Jake Tapper, or even to engage in blatant breaches of journalistic ethics themselves, Cuomo's filing stated. Not that we all didn't already know this, but it's it's good to hear it. And I just want to point out one more thing in this document from uh, uh, from the, the filing. I was really hoping it was going to be on March 15th that Cuomo uh, issued the statement. <laughs> the eyes of March. Yeah, but it was March 16th. So, so basically what he's saying is he shouldn't be she, he shouldn't have been fired because everybody else was doing it and that was the culture there and so now it's okay now like now everybody's in trouble well no mm-hmm. now he's saying like look look how look they they fired me it was wrong you know look at what a stand up guy i am yeah that's right well i i think what he's basically <laughs> saying is if they're firing me for violating these ethics but they do it every day that's what I'm saying. that was wrongful termination well listen uh, to be accused of violating journalistic ethics don't you have to be a journalist <laughs> and yeah, don't you have to have yeah. ethics i mean yeah. that's <laughs> what i'm saying right yeah, <laughs> yeah there's it's no funny you agreed. yeah also the idea of him accusing anyone of breaching ethics in media it's uh, like oh did they not not do enough reporting on the uh, the governor of New York? Did they, did they not talk about him properly because there's some kind of conflict of interest there and they looked the other way on it? That's crazy. It's not like you tried to help him. Yeah, what yeah. are you thinking? Right. Yeah. 
You know, I was on there three, two or three times, and we, and we watched this guy. Remember back during the pandemic when he would tell everybody to wear a mask, and then there's pictures of him out in public without a mask. I mean, it's unbelievable the hypocrisy. It transcends so many parts of our culture. It's unbelievable. I mean, he faked being in quarantine. He mm-hmm. did. He pretended. He did. In and his basement, right? Yeah, wor- he- working out. Yeah, mm-hmm. when he was actually at one of his properties in the Hamptons, some guy on a fat tire bike rolls up and is like, hey, aren't you supposed to be quarantined? He's like, who are you? And he gets in his face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I think we have a serious problem in this country where, you know, we were, we were talking just before the show downstairs, and I, I said we have a, a, a low-light filter for the Chicken City. You said we need a low-life. <laughs> a low-life filter mm-hmm. for Congress, I'll tell you. Yeah. And I said, but that would get rid of basically everybody, well, but maybe a handful of people. That's true. And, you know, I'm just thinking about there are so many people who believe CNN. They turn it on or it's in the airport or it's in uh, their hotel rooms and they listen to it and they they think this stuff is real. Mm-hmm. And and now, you know, even now with Cuomo coming out and being like, oh, yeah, they just blatantly breach ethics for ratings. There's still going to be people who just believe what they say. Yeah. Right. And they blatantly breached ethics for ratings. Have that work for them, by the way. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, burn. Oh, oh, right. Piling on, piling on. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, you're right. Hold on. Truth be told, their ratings were – they were doing well. During the Trump years. Oh, well, absolutely. Yeah. But I'm so, talking, you know, it, it did work out yeah. until. But even then, yeah. I don't think it was the breaching of ethics that worked for them. I think it was just the constant trashing of Trump. And, and yeah. any of Trump supporters, too. Yeah, yeah. It didn't matter and, about facts. And, exa- and you can argue that that's absolutely a breach of ethics, but I don't yeah. think they would ever describe it as that. So with him making these accusations, I doubt that's what he's referring to. But, I mean, according to Chris Cuomo, we've all, bre- we've all breached ethics by looking at the WikiLeaks because it's right, illegal yeah. for well, that, us that, to do so. That, that was Tapper, wasn't it? No, that, no, that, that was, was Cuomo. It was? Yeah, it was yeah, Cuomo. Cuomo. Chris yeah, Cuomo yeah, said that uh, it was illegal to look at the whip- WikiLeaks. Yeah. Uh, well, my apologies to Jake Tapper for falsely accusing him. How dare you? So uh, as as somebody's in Congress, though, I'm sure you've dealt with them misrepresenting your positions. Say it is. Tell us, so, tell uh, us a, <laughs> one of the 50 billion oh, times. Oh, Lisa, tell, that doesn't happen, right? <laughs> uh, I tell you, when the reporters come up and want to stick a mic or a phone in your face, you're going, uh, no, I, I think I'm fine. I tell you what, it, it is palpable, the, the fact that they want to misrepresent things we say all of the time. And you all know that. You see yeah. that. Uh, and thank God for y'all's show because the American public is waking up to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we appreciate y'all bringing it out. It's unbelievable. I'll give you one example of a story I really like is, uh, there was a guy who was accused of being a white nationalist. I asked the journalist, I said, hey, this guy does not, he's in a mixed race relationship. He's got a mixed race child. And the journalist goes, is he white? And I was like, yes. And he goes, is he a nationalist? And I said, yes. And he goes, white nationalist. And I was like, oh, come on. Wow. That was, that's really You know how dirty that is. And that's that's the game they play. Oh, absolutely. They did I, it to me. I'm, I'm not even anybody. I was talking in a clubhouse room once about Officer Sitnik and saying that he didn't, he died from natural causes. And they were like, oh, congressional staffer um, blames Capitol Police for Officer Sitnik's death. I'm like, that's not what I said. Yeah. I said he died of natural causes. And then I turned out to be right. You know, the article's still up there. Mm-hmm. So what is this? We got a Times v. Sullivan. We got to we got to get that looked at by the Supreme Court or something or or what? To be, be, because right now they can just lie. They can they can they do these really clever tricks where they'll say fact check. There's one uh, the New York Times ran saying fact check. Republicans falsely accuse Biden of you know driving up gas prices, and then they they show some quotes from you know McCarthy and from McConnell and from I think Lindsey Graham. And they're like, they accused Joe Biden of shutting down oil and gas leases and saying that drove up prices. But according to the experts we've decided to talk to, these two guys, they say it's wrong. Therefore, it's a fact check. And I'm like, that's an opinion piece. Absolutely it is. And so this is what they do all the time. They can run opinions 
claim it's fact. They can outright say it is a fact that this happened. And then when they get sued, they say, oh, that was an opinion. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. the courts are like, okay. They, they want to hide behind that. And like you say, that ought to be tested. You betcha. Uh, and we see that all the time. What do they call them? Some call them Pinocchios. They give it two, yeah. three, four Pinocchios. Yeah, the Washington Post. Yeah. yeah, seriously? I mean, they ought to have the most amount of well, Pinocchios, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I guess, I guess you know, I, I also question the Washington Post's Pinocchio system. It's not that Pinocchio would clone himself when he lied. His nose would grow longer. So yeah. maybe they would be like, his nose has grown five feet longer. Instead, they're like, now there's more of them. Right. Yeah. Well, at least with Pinocchio, you knew there were strings attached. Ooh. Yeah. See, yeah. <laughs> well, the Washington work. Times, you got to read that with a grain of salt. Wa- salt. Washington, Washington Post. Post with, yeah. you got to read that with a grain of salt. Washington Times is pretty good, actually. Yeah, it, you it, bet. It, it, yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is weird, though. Let me, let me ask you. There's a strange thing in that conservative media has their faults. They get stories wrong, but they have a tendency to be more correct than, say, the New York Times. How is that? What 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 is this? That you know, my my background was not uh, as a conservative Republican. I grew up in Chicago, liberal, Democrat, all that stuff. But my my concern is with what is true and effective, what is working. And so when I read the New York Times and I see lie after lie, I just eventually turn it off. I stop. I stop. Look. I I stop going to their site with CNN. I used to have CNN running on the running on uh, on in the background twenty four seven while I was working. And then one day I realized they stopped covering news and it was just panels on, with their opinions about Trump. I start turning it off. All of a sudden now, you know, I'll Google search a story and you're more likely to find the truth on a conservative or right-leaning newspaper than you would at CNN, MSNBC, The New York Times, or otherwise. Why, why is it? That's even if you can get it to pull up. Like, if you pull up, like I was saying, talking about Officer We tried. Sitnik, right? Like, you talk about Officer Sitnik. You have to go to the second or third Google page to see the autopsy reports and what the coroner actually mm-hmm. deemed like it the fake stories are still there you can't yeah. even try pulling up any fox news article it doesn't even come up well and there's values in our constitution you know this freedom of religion freedom of press uh, you can go right down that yeah. list and i think conservatives still want to live by that document that founding document they understand how important it is and the left not so much they'll stretch the truth and quite frankly, there's been a lot of people, myself included, that say, look, you guys are trying, what you're doing is going to destroy the foundation of this country if we stand by and let you. And we shouldn't stand by and let you. I tell people when they ask me what, when they find out I'm a congressman, they say, what party? What are you, Republican or Democrat? And I tell them, I'm a Christian conservative Republican. And in that order, we've got a foundation for this country. The founders were brilliant in what they yeah. set up. And the left wants to get away from it, and that's part of the problem. Why? Why, why do you – so we, we talk about this a whole lot, but I'd be interested in your perspective on why the, the, the left in this country is more than just the left. You've got the establishment Democrat voices as sure. well as the progressive voices. Why, why do you think it is they want to get rid of the Constitution and, our, and those founding values? If you've got the people depending on you, you can keep getting reelected. It's pretty simple, really, when you think about it. It doesn't matter what party you're in. They want government to be the answer. Well, I'm from Texas. You know, we're very proud to be from Texas. We were a country of our own, right? We get it in Texas. And we don't want big brother, big government doing anything for us. Don't help us, please. Think about it. First, we're guaranteed the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, not guaranteed equal happiness. And what you're seeing now is a government that wants to say, look, we'll take care of you. We'll give you equal happiness. Doesn't matter what the Constitutional Inter- uh, Declaration of Independence says. We're going to take care of you. And they will keep getting reelected. I think there's a couple of things, too. Like absolute power corrupts absolutely. But on top of that, they don't want to confront their own morality. <clears throat> so when they start saying, like, you know, I, when 
when their values don't or the bad things they do don't align with society, they want to make excuses for it. And and that's why our republic is falling, too, because it was meant for a virtuous society. And we are losing virtue. We have a saying for that. Rules for thee, <laughs> but not for me. That's what you're saying. Well, let's talk about how serious it gets. We have this uh, this story here from the National Review. The New York Times suddenly discovers Hunter Biden laptop and corruption investigations are real. Oh, this is this is amazing. Yeah, Hunter Biden is being investigated for crimes, and uh, the reporting is uh, that he he paid off. He took a loan out, I guess, to pay off his tax burden, hoping they wouldn't indict him. But apparently, the feds don't care because they were like, if you falsify your taxes, you're in trouble. Paying it off later doesn't change anything. Or how about illegally register, get, get a handgun rather. Mm. You know what's funny about that is the double standard. So for those that are familiar, Hunter Biden, what, what did he do? He he, he lied on his uh, application. Gun application, absolutely. Yeah, he yeah. lied on it, saying he wasn't doing. He didn't do drugs. Drugs. When drug he use, yeah. definitely did drugs. Yeah. Right. And a lot of them. Yeah. But uh, and it's on video everywhere. Yeah. Here, here's the challenge, right? The first challenge is the double standard. We all agree that's a problem. You don't get to come out and say we got to follow these rules, and then the president's kid gets to break all the rules. The second thing is, however, I don't think. I think it's 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 burdensome to get a firearm in the first place. And so maybe there's an argument about a simple background check that doesn't even take that long. But if you have a right to keep and bear arms, then we got to talk about what the Constitution means and what the limits are. So I'm I'm always wary to, to, you know, come out and be like, oh, he had a gun the wrong way. And I'm like, well, you know, if he was doing drugs, that I get. Now you're a criminal and you're due process. You, you, through due process, you do lose certain rights. That's right. That, that's true. But I also want to make sure we keep the door open to say, like, I'm I'm a big fan of nationwide constitutional carry. So there there was a bumper sticker that came out in the in the Texas. I don't know about up here. Back probably in the 60s or 70s, and it said, "When guns are outlawed, only outlaws will have guns." Yep. Mm-hmm. It's just that simple. The criminals and the thugs. And Ronald Reagan said it. He said the best way to get gun control is to lock up the criminals and thugs that have been convicted of a gun crime, put them in behind the jail, and then throw. If you don't throw away the key, at least lose it for yeah. a long time. Well, here we go. We now have the New York Times openly admitting that. Uh, let, let me read a little bit here. They say, if you are really industrious, you can dig twenty pages into the A section of today's New York Times and find a one thousand seven hundred word news story by three of its top reporters. Relating that the Justice Department's investigation of President Biden's son, Hunter, is not merely a tax matter. Turns out that prosecutors are probing his penchant for cashing in on his father's political influence through payments by overseas entities for which he did not register as a foreign agent. Well, even better, if you wade 23 paragraphs into the story, you will learn that prosecutors are examining emails between Biden and his business associates that come from a cache of files that appeared that appears to have come from a laptop abandoned by Mr. Hunter Biden in a Delaware repair shop. You don't say. This is the story that the New York, uh, the New York Times had said was, you know, Russian disinformation, CNN, or, uh, maybe not the New York Times, because I want to uh, misquote them, but I know several reporters were saying it was disinformation, it was questionable. Biden Based- himself said it was Russian dis- dif- right. disinformation. Jen Psaki said it was Russian disinfo, right. according mm-hmm. to these intel sources. Politico, it was Natasha Bertrand. She was with Politico and now CNN put out this story, which was a fabrication because, uh, I, I love this. Glenn Greenwald's reporting. He said, even in the story where she said, Intel sources say it was disinfo. The Intel sources said, we are not saying it's disinformation. We're saying we don't trust the information. So this lie comes out. Now, the, the big issue is the media lies to us. Not every single entity. I mean, the New York Post, they published this. They were getting us with that information. Big tech colludes with the media. And now, because of this, there's a few interesting polls. 
Media Research Center and Rasmussen found, I believe it was Rasmussen, that if uh, regular people, if, if you're voting, if, if American voters were aware of this mm-hmm. story, around 6 to, I think, 17% would not have voted for Biden. They doesn't mean they're voting for Trump, but that would have had a big impact on the election. Absolutely. Yeah. Now think about the war in Ukraine. Mm. With Russia invading and Ukraine saying, we want these big fighter jets, we want NATO support. And who's the president? A guy with corrupt business dealings through his son in this very country. And that has me worried. These are the ramifications of media lying to us. Yeah, absolutely. So 45% of Biden voters said they did not know about Hunter Biden's deals. And 9.5% said, as you mentioned, they would not have voted for him had they known. And now the New York Times is coming out and saying, hey, remember that thing we called you crazy conspiracy theorists for believing? Well, (laughs) put a dollar in the jar because a couple months later, you're allowed to believe that thing. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what we saw all the time. We in our district, I'm a very conservative district. We, you know, I took Ron Paul's place in Congress. Oh my! Oh wow. yeah, very conservative district on the yeah. Gulf Coast, and, and we get big that shoes to fill. Yeah, I was going to say that is a tough spot to be in. Big <laughs> shoes yeah. to fill. You, Quite an honor. Yeah, well, thank you. You betcha. And I had this endorsement when I ran, wow. uh, along with Governor Rick Perry and then Attorney General uh, Greg Abbott and uh, Ted Cruz, and I can go right down the list because they know how conservative I am. But we put all that information out in our district, making that point. And our, the Jefferson County in our district was the only swing county out of 254 counties in Texas. Uh, we're turning them red. They were Democrat. A lot of salt to the earth people, fishermen, welders, electricians, a lot of f- refineries and stuff on the coast. And the, the Jefferson County voted for Obama in 08, re-election in 12, and in 2016, they went for Trump. Wow. So they got it down in our district. Yeah. We wish we could duplicate that, replicate that, you know, across the country. You bet. They knew that. But it's they they purposely put it out. They they wanted to suppress the story right before the election. Yeah. That's when it came out. Like yeah. that's when it hit. It was, it was Project Veritas that dropped it. No, no, it was New York Post. It was the yeah. New York Post. New York. No, New York. who dropped the story? I mean, who put out the story though that it was that we found Hunter Biden's laptop? Well, New York Post. It was. I'm pretty sure the New York Post was the first to publish mm. the story. Yeah, that's why they and got then, taken off Twitter. Yeah, and they got you. Oh, you couldn't right. even uh, share yeah. messages. That, yeah. You couldn't Same. message a friend the link. That's Twitter, right. Twitter that's was right. blocking it. I remember that. Talk about evil people, mm-hmm. authoritarians, oligarchs, whatever you want to call it. So my question is, you know, over the past several months, I've just been saying at a certain point with all the lies, you know, Jesse Smollett, now a free man. Believe me, how, how about that? We get more, we get stories every single year, some big news cycle, some big protest, and it turns out to be a lie or a manipulation. And I'm just thinking, how do we just finally say to the likes of CNN and the New York Times or whatever, you guys can go play over there with your d- dwindling audiences and we're going to keep the truth here and have these conversations somewhere else. How do, how do we, how do we create our own narratives, right? Well, well, one thing, one way was what you said earlier, hey, look, tell your friends about this show. Right. You know, well, that's why share, I do it. Share, share, share. You know, yeah. you bet. You hear that, everybody? The congressman <laughs> says share the show. That's right. <laughs> share, share. You bet. Well, right now we're chasing our tails, though. Republican messaging in general is still having to respond to the national media, the mainstream media. And instead of putting our own content out, we are here we are again responding mm-hmm. to fake news stories mm-hmm. over and over again rather than highlighting what we should be doing and what's wrong. That's, I wanna, what, that's what the narrative is. And what should and should, what should we be focusing on? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. You guys familiar with the defiant L's? Mm-hmm. You ever see defiant L's on, on Twitter and Instagram? Mm-hmm. It's great. Uh, Defiant L's takes uh, two tweets and uh, places them together for comedic effect. The first tweet we have here is from Jen Psaki, who says, Hunter Biden's story is Russian disinfo, dozens of former Intel officials say. 
They didn't. That wasn't true. And then below it is the New York Post. <laughs> Hunter Biden's infamous laptop confirmed in New York Times report. Yep. It's a scary uh, prospect. Oh, you can't make this stuff up. Yeah. Well, I mean, they can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, all, it's all they do. Yeah, it's all they uh, do. Yeah. The scary thing, I suppose, is we laugh at being right and we laugh at the absurdity. But look at gas prices. Look at inflation. Look yeah. at Af- the Afghanistan withdrawal. Look at what's going on in, in Eastern Europe. The, this, these lies and this manipulation is burning our country to the ground. Yeah. Now, the thing is, the left, the Antifa, when they get tricked, they scream until their vocal cords shred and they smash windows and start fires. Right. We point out the lies and start laughing and saying, ha-ha, we were right the whole time. There's there's this vile rage that is being wielded through the manipulation of the media that does give them power. And it's causing problems and harm to this country. Well, that's all the attention is aimed toward them. And then they say, you know, what can we, these poor people, they need, they don't need more police. They need social, uh, social workers. Work, yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you can't make this up. What did Reagan say? Lock up the, the, the thugs and the criminals and throw away the key. Yeah. A little much for me. I'm a bit libertarian mm-hmm. in, in, you know, in, in a lot of these rega- uh, respects. But I think the issue is we're seeing uh, the other side of that extreme, uh, extremism from the progressives in places like New York where they let all the criminals out. Oh, sure. And then you get – there was one guy who was a, a, like a 40-time repeat offender who was laughing, being like, y'all locked me up the first time and just let me go. And it's like he's going to keep doing it. So there's, there's, there's a real challenge. I think the big challenge is with big cities though. I, I, I really am not a big fan of cities. I grew up in cities, lived in them o- in, until only the past few years. I think, you know, I come out here to the middle of nowhere. Everything's much more relaxed. It just absolutely, you, you're more likely to know who your local, uh, uh, deputies are. Sure. You go and meet them, you talk to them, you elect your law enforcement. You go to these big cities and it's just faceless law enforcement, faceless judges. Nobody talks to their neighbor. And that leads to the kind of authoritarianism. It leads to the police brutality the left is complaining about all the time. Yeah, well, let me brag on Texas for a minute because where I'm from, we know all of our elected officials. And I live in a uh, a district, of course, we're about uh, not quite 900,000 people now with the redistricting. And in my county, one of the biggest cities is League City. It's about 110,000. And then Beaumont's about 100,000. And so there's big cities around, right? And we know all of our elected officials. In Texas, we're so pro-law uh, enforcement, pro-life, and, and pro-gun. You can go right down the list. We know, and they know us, too. And they know they can depend on us, and we can depend on them. Probably not so much in the northeast, Chicago, west, the left coast, oh, yeah. as I call it, some yeah. of the others. Yeah, yeah. This is so. I, I think one thing that's really important in the in the discussion about police is that New York is very, very different from you know Beaumont, for instance. Absolutely. So people in New York, when they're saying defund the police or whatever, they're talking about a bunch of different problems. My my response to a lot of these uh, you know blue city uh, urban police departments is they were locking down people for COVID, violating their constitutional rights, shutting down churches. So I'm like, by all means, get rid of them. Why? Well, these are Democrat voters in Democrat cities who voted in Democrats who appointed these cops. The cops shut down churches. Now they want to get rid of them. I'm like, good, get rid of them. Do your thing. Yeah. I say let it happen. Look yeah. at what's happening in seattle right now let let them <laughs> let them destroy themselves and exactly. like you see all these like uh murder rates going up and crime and, oh, and the, now the serial killer in new york but even in a- amazon's moving their their one of their main headquarters out of seattle because of all the violence that's been happening yeah. with on the street and so the people that are are that are in that city have to look around and say this is what we get for saying defund the police. This is what we get for these little – let them destroy themselves. You, you know, in Texas, I wasn't there this time. Of course, I was in Congress. But they passed a bill this last time for about sanctuary cities that said, look, if you're a sanctuary city in Texas and you don't believe in enforcing immigration law and all those things, 
you don't get any state funding. You want to defund your police and be a sanctuary city and you want state funding? Nope. If you're a sanctuary city, you get zero funding. Austin was one of the ones who cut the police. I think it was I was like, going to say, are they just pointing the finger at Austin uh, right there? You know, the People's Republic of Austin. <laughs> and, and, and I think they defunded it's like a hundred or 110 million. I forget the exact amount. And so Greg Abbott and company got in gear and they said, that's fine. You want to defund the police? Well, we'll just, you get no more state money. And by golly, do you know that it wasn't very short order? I don't know, a month or two later that Austin came back and put 110 million or whatever dollars it was back in the budget for the police. This, this, mm. all, all this kind of stuff, you know, freaks me out because you've got people from California moving to Austin, moving to Texas. Yeah. And what they don't understand, I had a, we had a ton of people telling us, you guys should move to Austin. And we're like, well, we're going to go to West Virginia, or at least the West Virginia area for the most part. And the thing about Texas is when, when Joe Rogan, for instance, you know, he's a good dude. When he moves to Austin, it's because he thinks California's going crazy. And you can, you can reasonably talk to him and say, you're not going to support those kind of policies, are you? And he'll tell you, you know, he's like, oh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. I'm not going to move to an area. But support staff? What happens when Elon Musk... You know, he moves to Texas, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to bring his factory. Those employees are going to move with him. These are California residents. They're going to vote blue. And he's going to bring them all into Texas. And he's going to start bringing in Democrats into Texas. So that that freaks me out. It's concern for us, too. And, of course, you know, it's free country. You can cross state lines. But what we want to do is make sure the Californians have to apply for a passport <laughs> right, and a visa yeah. to come visit Texas. And we laugh about it, but it really is true. And we, there's talk about in, from the Texas delegation up here that there's been reported signs in California that says the last one out of California, turn off the lights. Mm. Wow. So the amount of people coming to Texas, 1,300 uh, people a day. Not, day. All, not all of them California. Yeah, right. DFW every three minutes gets a new resident. Wow. Every yeah. three minutes. Every three minutes. DFW Florida. Area. Yeah. Florida and Texas, I think, are seeing the largest population increases. Right. Now, I, I will say, and maybe I'm being a little naive here, but I just want to try to throw some optimism in. There are a lot of conservative people in California who just don't vote in any of their elections because they see their state as hopelessly blue. And I hope that those are the kinds of people moving off uh, to Texas. And so you're going to have an influx of red voters as well. But obviously, the blue voters coming in and trying to change the face of the political scene, there is a huge problem. Yeah, it is, Seamus. And we're not unaware of that. There's actually a group that's out there registering voters. We go, we go back and we look at California. Now, the ones you talk about that don't vote, you know, they're mm-hmm. not going to be on record. But we're going back and, you know, you can't find out how somebody voted, but you can find out if they voted. And if they voted in Republican primary, they identify as Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, Green, or whatever, or Independent. And uh, the group is busy working right now identifying those Republican voters. And when they come to Texas, they're sending them a letter in the mail with a, uh, are you registering to vote? You know, here's your chance to yeah. register to vote. That's amazing. Good for you guys. You are you familiar with Scott Pressler? Know the name. Why he's, do I know that name? He's probably the most famous voter registration activist he's right vigilant. now. Yeah. Yeah, there's memes about him because it's, uh, <laughs> you know, you'll see a tweet from someone where they're like, I'm just sick of this city. I moved to Texas. And then he responds right away. Have you registered to vote at your current address? <laughs> so there's a meme where it's like a dog answers the phone and the dog's like, hello. And he's like, Hey, this is Scott Pressler. Have you registered to vote? Cause, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, he's, he's doing, he's done amazing work in, um, I think his work has led to what, like the Republican Party in Florida becoming bigger than the Democratic yeah. Party, something like that. Yeah. We're that saying, we're saying the border crisis too turned some border towns that were traditionally oh, yeah. blue really red too. So that's, that's Absolutely. positive. McAllen, Texas elected a Republican mayor. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, isn't it hilarious how as soon as left-wing people actually have to face the consequences of their policies, instead of getting to shove it off onto somebody else, they mysteriously turn red? Or right. they leave. Yeah. yeah. Or well, they leave. Yeah. think about it in this context, because we talked about getting the news out, how the news media twisted everything, and that's why I think it's important people listen to this, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Did I mention people ought to share this? Did I mention that? Earlier? Yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. And you are so correct. I, I, I Leave a comment, I, did, too. Did, yeah, yeah. I didn't know if I mentioned that or not. Super chat us. Yes. But So they're not getting real news down there, but when they see illegals coming across the border. Now, when I was in the state house, I was on the border uh, committee my second term. I was the vice chair. And back then, there were, in that one year, there were, that was 2010, 11 rather, there was 5,000 Texans who were either hurt, raped, violently attacked, burglarized, Whoa. murdered, killed uh, by people who shouldn't even be in Texas. And let me do some math for you. If we've got 70,000 kids coming across the border in a month, and we've had that, if you think about kindergarten education, K through 12, I was on the public education committee for four years, K through 12, do this math. If you've got 70,000 kids coming across the border, let's just say the average school K through 12 is 10,000. That is seven complete school districts that you have to fund, mm-hmm. right? Somebody's got to fund. Now, I get that they don't all land and stay in Texas. You know, we the federal government is their logistics group. The drug lords bring them up here, human trafficking, and, and we latch on to NGOs and under the Biden administration, and they move them inland. But somebody's going to pay to educate those kids, and that's per month when we have right. those kinds of months. Seven complete school districts. Her mom. Yeah. So, oh, oh, yeah. I mean, for years, the Democrats have argued that it's misinformation to say that illegal immigrants receive any kind of welfare or state funding. And firstly, right. there actually are illegal immigrants who have family members who are on welfare, and so they receive it that way. But also, when you enter into a country and you're not registered in the system and paying taxes, but you're receiving benefits from the system, it's right. functionally the exact same problem. One, one of the... Uh, uh, most interesting points that I was reading about when it comes to illegal immigration is how they affect the uh, presidential vote because the way we vote is by electoral college. Right. And so when you get non-citizens in a district, they still count towards the uh, census. Right. Yep. So that means that a, a state with a large population of non-citizens will get ex, an, an extra district or two That's based right. on those non-citizens, which means an extra electoral college vote. That's right. And Texas got two. Texas has got two this year. And by the way, two extra seats because two, of non-citizens. Well, uh, well, uh, population growth. Well, we had both. I mean, it's it's hard to say how many our our great border uh, patrol and our great Texas DPS, and we've got a lot of folks down on the border. We love our law enforcement down there. When I was in the Texas House, my first term. We put $200 million on the border, and that was for helicopters and boats and ships, gunboats. Literally, we've got five boats on the on Rio Grande River with machine guns. Louis Whoa. Gomer and I have been down there and actually toured that area. Um, now they're putting $3 billion a session, because they only meet every other year, to, uh, sessions two years on the border. And the federal government's not doing their job. Yeah. They, and so, yeah, we're growing. We don't know. We don't know how many people we've lost. They will give you. They will give you the number that they handled, and then they'll give you an ex, a, an estimate on the get, getaways that they don't know how many got away. Have you Have you talked to uh, some of these people down in these border districts as to what's going on? Like, what What are people thinking and feeling why, as to why they're switching a, from a, Democrats? A, or absolutely, I've been down the border probably five or six times. Been in there a number of times. Remember the Freedom Caucus? We've been down there. I went down there uh, really twice when I was in the Texas legislature, and then I've been there four, five, six times. I've been in Congress. And they're sick and tired of it. If you talk to the ranchers and the farmers and the business owners down there and, and the city officials, they're tired of Biden's policy. 
they're tired of just letting them cross come across. It's unbelievable. Uh, I've heard some crazy stories. Oh, listen, and you know this is sickening. But um, the drug lords down there, they they will make those young girls. They'll take them, and they will be violated, raped, if you will. They will be violated uh, numerous times coming up uh, across the border there, and they actually have trees where they hang the the clothing of their victims. We're talking rape. women's underwear and stuff like wow. that, and trees, and they call them rape trees. They call them, and and I've been there and seen with my own eyes. Oh. It, it's a, it's appalling, and I don't get why the Biden administration, the Democrats, don't see that. You know, they need to stay in their own country if they want to claim asylum. Then let they can stay. Then go to the embassy in that country. When 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 you give people accurate information, it's interesting how the, the Democrat narrative makes no sense. So, That's right. for instance, you go to a regular American and say, "Should the United States help people who are fleeing gang violence and need asylum?" They'll probably say yes. You'll say, then yet follow up. If these people are coming from, say, Brazil, should they be allowed to trek all the way up through all of these countries and through Mexico into the United States for asylum? Most people will say, wait, what? No. Once they've escaped the danger, they're right. safe where they are. They can That's stay right. there, right? That's right. So what's happening now is we're hearing stories about people traveling from Ethiopia, from Africa, over, Africa. over, overseas Absolutely. to Brazil. And you know what really offends me about this? They land in Brazil and then they trek all the way up to the United States. Brazil's awesome. Right. I, I, I was chilling on Copacabana on the beach with a coconut and I'm like, what about Brazil? Do you not? I don't, I don't understand. But I, I get it. America it's, is, it's is the benefits. It's benefits, it's the wealth. Benefits. We're, we're, we're a wealthier nation than Brazil. And so they're safe in this country, but they're willing to risk the lives of their children and themselves because America is just that much better. Well, you ask a regular person. Should we grant them asylum? They're going to say no. Absolutely. Well, Tim, when I was there, the director of the DPS there, uh, my youngest son's a special agent for the FBI, and uh, Steve McCraw was a former FBI guy, retired, and Rick Perry appointed him. And we found out I had FBI family. We had a great relationship. And he told me that there's 40 different Eastern religious sects, S-E-C-T-S, mm-hmm. 40 different. This is 2009. 40 different Eastern religious sects coming across our southern porous border. We don't know who's here. We don't know who's here. That ought to scare people big time. Islamic extremists are also making plans to come up from from the Horn of Africa, and they're coming in. I think it was like Joseph Umeyer or somebody that had been tracking that for a really long time. I've I've actually heard from several journalists that uh, extremist groups know they can enter through the southern border rather easily, and that's one of the main ways to get in. Yeah. One of the points you were making is about how as soon as you have more information, the democratic narrative falls apart, and that's a huge part of the reason why they have to call people names for disagreeing with them and why they have to frame every issue really dishonestly. So if you look at the conversation that we're having on border security, very plain. It's essentially one group of people saying there should be some vetting of people at the border. We should have a handle on who's in here. People should become citizens because we, as a democratic nation, supposedly where the people have a say, should have some say on who's entering the country. The other side of the discussion is literally just there should literally be zero oversight on who is entering the country. The people should have absolutely no say. When you put it that way, it's extremely obvious which side of the issue you should be on, whether you consider yourself liberal or conservative. But the way they frame it is, well, either you think everyone should be able to come here and get whatever benefits they want, or you're racist. Yeah, and and look, if we don't have a border, we're not a sovereign country. And Mm -hmm. people accuse me all the time, Randy, 
And, and by the way, I have a re- website, randyweber.org. So if anybody wants to see what I believe, it's easy to find me, randyweber.org. But I, I tell people all the time, they say, well, you just, you just hate, uh, Mex- you know, Mexicans, people south of the border and that, Hispanics and that kind of stuff. And I said, no. They said, you don't like immigration. You just want to con- close the whole border down. I said, no. My grandfather and my grandmother came over on the boat from Germany. I am the grandson of German immigrants. I wouldn't even be here. But they, guess what? They did it legally. And that's what we're saying. Come in to build the country. Don't come in to take from the country. And that's the difference. Well, and not only that, it isn't simply an argument on the ethics of why a person should want to come here. It's simply a statement that we should have some handle on who's coming here. We should know who's in our country. It's constitutional. Congress makes immigration and naturalization laws, not the president of the United States. Mm-hmm. But we really need to think about why they don't care, why they think it should be that way. They they want these people to come in because they want them, again, dependent on them so that they, they'll get their votes and, and they can maintain more power and implement their progressive ideologies. I think we should uh, allow every single person in the on the planet to immigrate to the United States, but it's got to be through a controlled legal process, which means there's also going to be certain times at which we can't allow people to come in. Mm-hmm. What I mean to say is everyone should have the opportunity to try. Absolutely. But this means if we can't handle the burden, it means if we we, we can uh, figure out where people can go to. I went to Sweden to explore the uh, refugee crisis and, the, and a lot of the claims that were being made about it. A lot of people on the right were saying that violent crime was through the roof because of these refugees that were coming from the war in the Middle East. As it turns out, while that was partly true, there was an increase in crime for that reason. A lot of the crime we were seeing was due to the uh, Somali refugees of the 80s and 90s and their children growing up feeling stateless, feeling like they weren't part of the community. Why? What happened was when those people came in in the 90s, Sweden didn't track where they were going, what they were doing, and so they formed enclaves. They went. They were, they were told by Sweden, okay, everybody move here and then you're good. So then they had kids. Those kids grew up in an area where everyone speaks the same language, but they're, but they're, they're Swedish citizens, they're uh, Swedish citizens, but people in Sweden who are white, you know, natives did not view them as Swedish. They viewed them as immigrants. Then they would go home to their home country to see their parents and they would be called Swedish. So all of a sudden you have these individuals who feel stateless because they weren't able to integrate. They weren't given the opportunity. The reason why you have checkpoints and borders and an immigration process is to maximize the opportunity for those who are actually coming to the country. If you look at what the left is defending with these porous borders, it's children wandering through 90 miles of open desert, being found dead in ditches, being being left without parents, being left sick. One of the most disgusting things I saw, there was a young child, I think it was a little girl, maybe like 11 years old, who died. And the news reports were like, child dies in ICE custody, and it's all this all this crazy. And then the story actually was, the ICE found a sick girl dying in the desert yeah. and did everything in their power I to try and that. save her life. Yeah. And so they rushed her to the facility, and she died, and the media tried framing it like they yeah. killed her. I remember that. Yep. I've been there with my own eyes and seen the facilities that they have. And, and let me back up and just say this, too, that, look, if we're going to let – a if Congress is going to increase the immigration quotas by country that we have, that's up to Congress. That's constitutional. But we're going to have to have the facilities and the infrastructure to do that. We're going to have to have immigration courts, immigration judges, immigration officers, and we're going to have to have facilities. And so it's going to cost the American taxpayer more dollars. So here's the question. Shouldn't we, when somebody comes to America and wants to immigrate and come across the border, should we charge them? Fifty dollars, a hundred dollars, five hundred dollars. Should they help pay 
for the infrastructure absolutely. it's going to take? Absolutely. But USCIS already processes, though, a million um, petitions a year. We let in about 500,000 immigrants from all over the place every year, and people don't realize that. We have we take in the most amount of immigrants out of any other nation in the entire world. Our immigration system, while it it has its issues, is still letting in so many people. Think about that. You're letting in 500,000 people legally a year on on green card petitions, and they process a million applications. Yeah. Uh, to your point about how much should people pay when they come in, mm-hmm. some of these stories, you, you we hear about families spending $3,000. Or more. Or more. And so we're, it's fascinating to me that the narrative from the left is often – Oh, these poor refugees who are so broke and helpless, and I'm like, they got three grand. To I mean, pay drug cartels, so, yeah, to, to, to get trafficked uh, up here, and, and it's dangerous. You know, they don't got fifty bucks to help us afford the cost to make sure that. I mean, we're talking about helping people who are genuine asylees or whatever get get proper placement. That means we need infrastructure. We got to pay for it. It right. does cost money to immigrate here through like USCIS, but we they have fee petition waivers that you can you can fill out and you can come here for free. You can. You know, fill out all the paperwork and file it with USCIS if you file a fee petition waiver and claim some hardship. So it's actually less expensive to do it the right way than it is to to come over and be smuggled by drug cartels. Unless you're trying to break through the border and sneak into the country. I want to I want to pull up this story real quick because you guys had mentioned this before the show and it's an interesting story. Axios is reporting Biden officials fear mass migration event if COVID policies end. Axios reports. U.S. intelligence officials are privately bracing for a massive influx of more than 170,000 migrants at the Mexico border if COVID-era policies that allow instant expulsions during the public health emergency are ended, sources with direct knowledge of the discussions tell Axios. The response underway includes a newly created and previously unreported Southwest Border Coordination Center, essentially a war room to coordinate an interagency response. So they're basically saying that uh, Title 42 has been used more than one million times to rapidly expel migrants at the southern border without hearing asylum claims. But the Trump-era order wasn't set up to be permanent, and senior Biden officials are preparing for its end as the virus is brought under control. This means that when Title 42 ends, all of a sudden 170,000 migrants are going to rush the border because they, they can't be instantly expelled, and that means our uh, immigration system won't be able to handle a massive influx of that, an influx of that magnitude. They're already not able to handle it. We've had for the last every month since Biden has been elected, has the people crossing the border has increased in January from from January to February. It just went up another seven percent. But our media has totally forgotten about the border crisis in general. They don't talk about it anymore. Our CBP is already overrun. So they're they're saying they're going to they they need to uh, beef it up. To pre- we're already underprepared. What should we do? Well, just remember my school example: one hundred seventy thousand people. If one third is if it's mom and dad and one child, what's a third of one seventy? Is that like fifty five, sixty? Not quite sixty thousand. Not quite sixty. Yeah. So it's not like six more school districts in one event. And when you talk about asylum, people have to remember that when you when you request asylum, asylum from what? Religious persecution, fear of your government. There's actually categories for it. It can't just be that my neighborhood's bad, there's no money and, and all that kind of stuff, and the drug cartels are bad. I, mean, I get that. They live in bad neighborhoods, and your heart goes out to them. I get that. But they come here uneducated, and they come here to take jobs, right, that Americans, uh, from Americans in, in many instances. 
And so they have to ought to go to the United States Embassy, whether it's Bolivia, whether it's Argentina, whether it's Mexico, Guatemala, and apply for asylum there. Mm-hmm. And the best thing Biden could have done was to have let Trump's policy stay in to effect on energy, on on immigration, and a whole lot of things. If Biden would have just done nothing from first day, but he starts reversing them all, and we're seeing the effect of it. Do you see there's, there was a video, one of the migrant caravans several years ago, they were coming from, I think, Honduras. They're in, they're in Mexico at the southern, uh, they're in southern Mexico, and they get the announcement that Mexico will offer them all asylum and refugee status in Mexico. And someone in the caravan yells, how many of you want to stay in Mexico? And then they says, how many of you want to go to America? And they're like, yeah. Oh, yeah. So they, they were, they were given asylum. I, I, it's crazy to me because I think the issue is for, uh, people on the left, I gotta tell you, man, they think Mexico is a desert. They think Mexico is all sepia toned. They wa- they watched movies and it's just like it they must saw be- Narcos and they're like right. this is the entire oh come country, on like yeah. every every movie about Mexico they just set the yeah. tone and then I'm like have you ever been to Mexico City it is a city it is a big oh, city sure. they have Buffalo Wild Wings it's awesome Vox ha- ran a uh, quote from one of the migrants in the caravan several years ago and they someone a journalist from uh, a French journalist asked this migrant why do you want to go to America. And he said, I miss Buffalo Wild Wings. And I'm like, well, well, hold on there a minute. I absolutely relate to that. B-dubs is awesome, but they have B-dubs in Mexico. I went to Mexico City and specifically sought out a Buffalo Wild Wings, and I got me some honey barbecue wings with ranch dressing, and it was great. It's funny you say that about Mexico because everybody thinks Texans ride horses everywhere, (laughs) which which the greenies would probably be okay with if we'd rode over here on horses, but I keep reminding them that horses have emissions. Ooh, that's the truth. Big Uh, stinky ones. (laughs) Well, Tim, you made a point earlier about believing that basically everyone should have the opportunity to enter this country, and part of what's sad about the current debacle. To apply. What's that? Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. Um, and part of the issue is there is a lot of opportunity for people to be able – or there would be more opportunity for people to be able to enter through the legal channels if our system was not clogged up with people who are jumping in line to try to enter the country. And I cannot think of anything more suicidally stupid for a nation to do – maybe a few things, but not many things more suicidally stupid for a nation to do than say, instead of taking the people who want to follow our laws and respect our culture, let's just bring in everybody who's willing to violate our norms and break our laws and not respect our nation and tell the people who want to respect it that they can't come because we brought in too many of the people in the former category. Or or they have to be, and they are already, way down in the line. It takes years and years. Mm -hmm. And so now you've got an immigration system that, as I pointed out earlier, need judges and courts and clerks and all those kinds of things. Now the people who are trying to do it legally are pushed way back. Because yep. of those jumping ahead. Our, our asylum courts, so once they come here, they get released and they're supposed to go to asylum courts. They're backed up for about four years. So they get let into the country and then for four years they're allowed to do whatever they want, work wherever they want, I, do whatever they need to do before they even get a hearing to see if they but should be deported or not. You look at some of the news reports that have been coming out for the past year or so, it's much, much worse than that. We're hearing uh, there was the video footage released from, uh, I think it was Westchester, New York where the Biden administration has been smuggling undocumented children, illegal immigrant kids, into various states, and you actually had a federal contractor tell a local cop if the American people knew what we were doing. And he says, what do you mean? The government has betrayed them. Wow. These are, these, these are, we had Tennessee found out because of secret video that these, these uh, illegal immigrant kids were being flown in in the middle of the night into these other states and then just released. 
it is it is not just that our courts are backed up. It's that I view this as the Biden administration is desperately trying to sweep under the rug what's happening. You had those videos coming out from McAllen, Texas, of the kids under the under the highway. Do you remember right. that? Absolutely, about fifteen thousand. But it was the biggest Biden group that he ever assembled. You know, oh yeah, yeah. the largest crowd he ever drew. No, you're not wrong. They did have Biden shirts on too. Yeah. Well, so I I think what they're doing is we don't want the media to see this. So just take the kids in the middle of the night and fly them to a random location. You know, Tim, what you're describing almost sounds like a swamp. Mm, Oh yeah. Isn't that amazing that there's bureaucrats in there that they want to do it their way, and there's so much corrupt and so much stuff. As you point, as that guy pointed out, what you just uh, related, their government, our government, has betrayed us. In a lot of ways, I, I think it's sad to say. Maybe it's not so much that our government has, but that our government has been for the long, for a very long time. There are people in our government who don't care about us, don't care about the country, and I think it's apparent when you see what's happening with schools, how they're teaching that America is bad or evil. They really just don't like this place. And there's that joke about man, all of those freedom-loving Cubans who want to escape and make it, or Venezuelans. We'd love for them to come cherishing the ideas of freedom and liberty. And those who want socialism and communism and hate America can go to the countries that also hate America. It's like, you yeah. know, we got a disproportionate, uh, uh, we got to have like a prisoner swap or a population swap, right? That's the joke. Yeah. I mean, you, one can only dream, though. It's mm-hmm. not a joke. You know, here, here's, here's what I'll say. I've said it before. I have infinitely more respect for the Honduran who says, I'm going to travel, you know, thousands of miles through desert risking my life because America is awesome. As opposed to these leftists in the United States who are like, America is evil and wrong yeah. and colonial. Yeah. That being said, jumping the line over someone who has the same belief and says, America is awesome. I'm going to do it right. I would prefer the people waiting in line, believing in America, Absolutely. be the ones allowed in. Well, you know that they believe in the rule of law. They're going to come. They're going to do their dead best to be a, a, a good citizen. That's just that simple. Yep. Just that simple. Yeah, and, and for the most part, this isn't the case 100% of the time, and I'm speaking anecdotally, but when I meet legal immigrants, they tend to be very patriotic people who lean conservative, and they right. really do not like illegal immigration. They don't. And Seamus, I speak, a lot of people don't know this, but I speak, I mean, I speak Spanish. So when I'm down on the border, we talk about a, requ- a request for asylum. You know, when you talk to those families down there, many of them through tears, especially the ladies, it breaks mm-hmm. your heart. The mama's got a little baby or maybe a three-year-old, five-year-old. Some of them have three kids with them. When you speak to them, you say, you know, why are you here? What are you doing? Blah, blah. They're not talking about asylum. I'm afraid for you. I think of me. Yeah, I have fear. Mm-hmm. They're saying, yo necesito trabajo. I need a job. Right. Yeah. And that's their claim. And so you see that every single day on the border. You know, it's really crazy to me is that, um, Several hundred years ago, people from uh, uh, all over the world, mostly Europeans, you know, they decided to get on boats because they needed jobs and they risked their lives on, you know, sailing for three months. I think like, what, 20% of people on these ships from Europe to North America would die? Of dysentery wow. and yeah, stuff like uh, that. Yeah, scurvy or all whatever. gross things. And yeah. uh, uh, what happened when they made it here? There was nothing. You, they made their jobs. Absolutely. So they would just, they, you know, don't get me wrong. A lot of the early settlers nearly died, and that's why we have Thanksgiving. Cold winters. Cold winters, bad man. When uh, when Game of Thrones says winter is coming, people people in the United States don't really understand what that means anymore because we have strawberries in the winter due to yeah. technology. Yeah. yeah. But it, it, you know, when when we're talking about, you know, we've got chickens, we had a garden for a while, and we're thinking about how much food are we producing for ourselves? More of a, more as a hobby. How many eggs? How many berries? How many tomatoes? And then fall hits and we're like, zero, nothing. The berries are no longer being produced. 
The gardens are all just basically done and dead. The chicken production drops dramatically. We have some chickens that lay throughout. And I thought to myself, like, man, if we did not have supermarkets with imported avocados from Mexico and we were reliant on ourselves for food, what would we do? Well, you'd go to Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. You drive through. You, 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 you climb mountains and you make it there. You'd probably hunt. You know, you hunt and prepare, but most importantly, you'd store up food throughout the summer Absolutely. to prepare for the winter. You know, I, that's a great point. I, I, I hope I want our kids to be learning this stuff. They're not getting it in school. And Virginia woke yep. up, didn't they? They kicked out a bunch of state legislators because of the way they treated school parents. And you all saw, by the way, parenthetically, in New Jersey, uh, back in this last November, they, we unelected the top Democrat in New Jersey uh, in the Senate. A uh, truck driver beat him, spent less than, what was it? I don't know. A hundred dollars or less you know, than a thousand dollars. I don't know, six yeah. or eight hundred dollars. I don't know That's if y'all saw that story. A trucker beat him, and I, that was kind of good news and bad news. The good news is, yes, we knocked out the top Democrat in New Jersey. The bad news is, darn, we lost another trucker. <laughs> we got a, we got a yeah. trucker shortage. Yeah. But back to the kids, they're not learning this stuff. And I went in to get my oil changed here a while back, and I talked to this kid was was very, you know, impersonable, that kind of stuff, personable. And so I said, it was Thanksgiving. I said, what's Thanksgiving, Bob? He said, well, that's Thanksgiving. Um, he's about 21 or two years old. He goes, Thanksgiving, you know, that's when we give thanks. I said, well, sure, I get that. Right. That's, I got that. But do you know where the holiday, where it came from? Um, I said, who are we giving thanks to, for example? If we're giving thanks, who's that, who are we giving thanks to? He said, um, it was, is it the Indians? <laughs> and I said, oh my gosh. Bob, let me sit down. Let me talk to you for just a minute, and then I relate to him the story of people coming over here, and the fact that the Indians did help, you yeah. know, help them learn how to farm and raise stuff like like we know. But our kids are not being taught the history of our of our country. And, it, and so, so it's fascinating. You know, my, my point was so many people say I need work, yeah, and I wonder, you know, what can you do to just go and try and survive? I guess the reality is. You know, we, we, we were talking about this in the uh, members uh, segment the other day, and it was, you know, I think it was fairly brutal and probably offensive to a lot of people. We talk about what schools are doing to people's children in terms of indoctrination. And I would often say to parents and to people, you need to stand up for what you believe in. If you're at a company and they're saying these things, and people would always say like, oh, I can't risk losing my job because, you know, I have kids. And I thought to myself, would how much you know how much would you be willing to sacrifice your kid to this indoctrination this dogma for the sake of comfort so when you see people come to you at the border and they say i need i need a job it's because a job in america means air conditioning it means a refrigerator it means a it means clean running water and the reality of the world is that you would be digging a hole and making a fire and hunting a deer and having to find ways to survive from the ground up but because the United States is wealthy, people are coming here, and what they're saying is, please let me share in your wealth. Mm-hmm. I totally get it. This country is awesome. But there's a finite amount of wealth. We don't have infinite resources. So I wonder if what we really need to start doing for ourselves and for everybody is help teach people how to farm, how to develop, how to, how to you know, farming, I think, is one of the most important things. If people are having issues, can we help them be self-sufficient through education instead of just saying, come here and bask in the, in the wealth? Or are whatever. you talking about giving money to other nations to teach them how to be self-sufficient, teach them how to farm, or do you want them to learn it and do it here? Well, I, well that's tough. I would probably say setting up programs with our oversight in their countries to set up farming programs and not have people come here. Well, we have a lot of NGOs and, and uh, for sure that do that. Right. 
and, and they teach them how to you know have a clean water and electricity. <clears throat> oh yeah, yeah. I have friends who did stuff like that with Africa. Yeah, and it's you know giving them uh, information on farming practices and crop rotation, uh, how to set up wells and everything does infinitely more. You, you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. You teach a man a fish, you feed him for the rest of his life. When you talk about we don't have infinite resources, and you're exactly right. I remember, and this is what the left is doing. They just want more and more people, bigger government, have the government dependent on them and keep voting them in office. Um, there was a Scottish uh, professor, I think the University of Edinburgh, in 17-something, who literally, his name was Alexander Teitler, who literally said back then that democracy can only exist until the rank-and-file people f- discover they can vote themselves funds from the general yep, treasury. That's right. And when they do, <laughs> it's over. Yep. And we're yep. getting dangerously close that's to right. that. Oh, I think we're past let that. Me, let, me, let me pull up this story yeah. we got from TimCast.com. Almost 400 gallons of gas stolen from North Carolina gas station. This is but one specific moment, but it's uh, part of a series of stories that I've been seeing throughout the past week or so where people are showing up and stealing gas. One of the craziest was that a van pulls up to a gas pump and they have the intake on the ground and the van had a trap door. Pulls up to the pump. While they're pumping gas, they open the trap door and hook into the gas station's reservoir to steal gas. Because gas prices are so high. Now there's a meme. I think, uh, you know, whether, whether you find it in good or bad taste, it's a scene, it's from when Kyle Rittenhouse was crying in court. <laughs> but now it's him at a gas station crying, holding up a gas pump, <laughs> crying about the price of gas. And you know why I like the meme? Because it's people who don't like Kyle Rittenhouse making fun of Joe Biden and what's happening with gas in this country and all that stuff. So I, I highlight this story just to show the the uh, uh, level of strain that we're currently experiencing for a variety of reasons when it comes to energy. And I want to give a reminder to everybody that when these climate change activists say they want to end fossil fuels, that pain you're feeling at the pump where you're joking about how you're crying as you spend $100 to fill your car up, it's going to be $200, $300 to fill your car up when the climate change activists get their way. Now, now I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not passing moral judgment on climate change activism. I'm saying if you want fossil fuels to be done with, that's fine, but don't complain about, you know, 300 bucks to fill up your gas tank or you not driving anymore. Well, look, you want, you want, you have to have fossil fuels for our, for our military and for nat, it's national security, a good energy supply. And y'all may not know this, but Texas is number one wind energy state in the country. We're number okay. two in solar panels, right? And we produce a lot of the nation's fuel, oil, and gas. And I didn't say this earlier, but the Keystone Pipeline comes into my district. It moves 830,000 barrels of crude a day. Remember when the Colonial Pipeline system got hacked into last year? Yeah. I don't know, April or and May. It was, it or was a disaster. Southeast, the southeast part of the United States, that pipeline system moves a little less than 3 million barrels of product a day. So when the Colonial Pipeline system is 830,000 barrels, it's all, it's over one-fourth of the output of the Colonial Pipeline system coming into Texas so that we can refine it, we can sell oil, gasoline, produce jobs, whether it's jet fuel, whatever it might be. The Biden people shut that down on day one. We wouldn't be in such a bad strait with Ukraine if the fossil fuel people hadn't been doing such a number on, I mean, the anti-fossil fuels. Right. They hate it. It may just be me, but can you can you power a jet fighter plane with a solar panel? I don't think so. Mm. Well, let's talk about that uh, that disaster that happened when uh, Texas froze over. 
Absolutely. And uh, we had we had the mainstream media saying, oh, the freeze did not affect wind energy. They're lying. We had people on the right saying, well, the wind turbines were struggling to work in the cold. So so can you tell us a bit about how that how that disaster happened? Absolutely. You hear the term ERCOT, Electric Reliability Council of Texas. Yes. There's nine electric grids in the United States. Texas has its own. Did I mention in Texas things were bigger and better? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 85% of the state is, is under ERCOT. The other 50%, which a lot of us in my district, by the way, interest. Energy, uh, which does a uh, energy company, which does a great job. So what? Uh, again, growing up twenty mile radius, sixty eight years. I've never seen it be eighteen degrees on Galveston uh, in Galveston. So there was a lot of fossil fuel plants, natural gas. We have a lot of natural gas that uh, were shut down normally in the winter time for maintenance, right? Because your your our biggest supply for need for electricity is in the summer. Summers in Texas are hot. You know what I mean? Right. And so they shut down for maintenance. It was so cold that a lot of those plants who weren't set up for frozen pipes because it doesn't get that cold, some of their water system froze, and then they couldn't keep pumping, even the ones that weren't down for maintenance. Windmills did break. And here's a little bit of the technical part. ERCOT has to manage the electricity on the grid. It goes by hertz cycles, 60 hertz cycles. And I don't remember the exact number, but if after all of this power consumption is being done, if it starts dropping down to 59 point something or whatever it is, if it gets to a certain degree, then it'll backfeed and it'll burn the windings in the generators in the systems that are online. Wow. And so they've got to shut down neighborhoods and power grids without warning because they're watching it in real time. They go, okay, we're 10 minutes away. You can't email and you can't send out letters. You can't knock on doors. You can't phone call people. That's what happened to us uh, last year. One of the things that would help with that would be, re- well, let me back up, nuclear power, the left hates mm. nuclear power if we had for more no nu- reason for no reason you want to talk about green you want to talk about green energy it's 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 zero carbon emission energy right. it's safe right ah. it, it's 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 remarkable how people watch hollywood films mm. and now they're like i don't want clean reliable energy it's it's right. remarkable but tim i saw the uh, three-eyed cartoon fish on the simpsons yes. that's right oh, so, oh, oh yeah that's power, a, that's yeah. a big help right you yeah. know and and the Soviets were doing an experiment which caused an explosion. So now none of us ever can have clean, reliable energy. When I was in the Texas legislature, I had South Texas Nuclear Project in my district over Matagorda County. I took my staff in there in 2010, and we watched them with our own eyes change out spent fuel rods. It was fascinating. They do it cleanly. They do it safely. They're back up and running, Unit 1 and Unit 2. And they're recycling the rods. Uh, well, they don't do it like France, and full disclosure, they, we don't do as good a job as France does, And but we can learn that. Mm-hmm. And think about how crazy it is. We had Yucca Mountain set aside, and I've been to a nuclear waste facility in Andrews, Texas, um, and I've, it's waste control specialty, and they have a fantastic concrete, all the state-of-art stuff to put in low-level radiation uh, waste. And so we've got Yucca Mountain, which was designed to do that, where you could take it away from almost every town, every city, in a facility that was going to be run by the federal government where it would be safe. And so the Libs didn't want that. The Democrats didn't want that. They fought against it. And so what do we do? They store that in, they, now they store spent nuclear waste right on site in all the neighborhoods. <laughs> oh, that's well, so Well, smart. let me, let me, I'll make a, a few quick points. Sure. The importance of nuclear power. So one of the challenges is that it's not always windy. 
So That's right. wind power sometimes can can reduce uh, production gets reduced. Sure. Often I I will see wind turbines not even spinning. That's right. When it comes to solar at night, I'm, an issue. I'm thinking the wind the sun goes down at night. That's you? right. It yeah, does. Sure. So a, a lot of these renewable energies are intermittent in terms of the generation. Right. So fossil fuels is reliable, but so is nuclear power. Absolutely. And nuclear power it's fascinating because zero carbon emissions. But for some reason, they reject it. It makes me wonder if what you were saying before, they want you dependent upon them so they can stay in power. They always want there to be a problem only they can fix. Right. Mm. Correct. If you're watching the geopolitical thing, going back to Russia and Ukraine right now, they've had a, 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 a misinformation program going on against fossil fuel. You know, it's, the left has had it for a long time funneled by running, uh, Russian money. And the, the the statistics are that Russia has increased their nuclear uh, fleet by thirty percent, and Germany has cut theirs by eighty yep. percent. And yeah. now Europe is going to be dependent on Russia, and they plan that all along. And their Russian disinformation program is trying to knock out our fossil fuels. There's a lot of NGOs over here and anti fracking, anti pipeline, uh, anti shell exploration, anti shell that you know. Uh, NGOs, or you call it what you want to call it, 5013C. 5013C3. I can do this. <laughs> uh, and, and they've got money. We It's been tracked. It's been documented. I do I do have that story. We'll pull it up in a second, though. Sure. But uh, just just exploring you know, a little bit of energy as it pertains to Texas, The uh, I'm, I'm confused as to what the complaint really was from, uh, from the left as to what Texas did wrong. It just seemed like the only real I- issue they had was exploit the crisis and claim it, it – <laughs> You know, we have the solutions to it, when in reality it seems like a freak accident. Let me tell you what I heard right off the bat. I, as, as again, I've got the most energy, probably the most energy-dominant uh, sector. Now, there's production over in West Texas where they drill and they produce and they send it down to pipelines, but we're ports and refineries, and we export a lot of it. People call me and say, Randy, this is why... You know, ERCOT shouldn't be allowed to control the Texas grid. It ought to be the federal government, you know. And I said, are you kidding me? I said, are you kidding me? I said, we've got a state agency called ERCOT, and a lot of them live here, and they they shop, their kids go to school and do all this stuff here. And you want some Washington bureaucrat? This was out of their control. We've never had this cold winter. It's never had, this is a perfect storm. And the state agency, I mean, it was tough for them. And the legislatures, uh, when they met, they went in and they did the things to harden that grid, so to speak. You want to give it to some bureaucrat in Washington, D.C.? No, thank you. Yeah, absolutely not. I'll remind you that Randy is the leading minority. He's the um, Republican Republican um, ranking member on Energy Subcommittee for Science, Science, Space, and Technology. technology. So so when when the Republicans win in November, you're going to be the chairman. I'll be the chairman of the Energy Subcommittee. I just want to throw throw this in there. I'm glad you brought Rush up because I find it really hilarious how all of the – People who are against nuclear power and want to demonize it are also really comfortable with the idea of going to war with a nation that is armed with nukes. Like, it's if so we're strange. talking about what's going to be more likely to result in nuclear annihilation, it's frustrating. Oh, like, just gosh. give me the answer straight. You know, if someone so here here here's, this is what I was saying before. If someone comes to me and they say, you know, I don't like fossil fuels, carbon emissions are bad. I'll say, okay, but gas is going to be extremely expensive for the average person. The average person won't be able to commute. Then they start saying, oh, that's not true, and they just lie. They lie. I, I had somebody on Facebook saying, you know, I have no problem paying $5 a gallon for gas because I have a clean conscience, mm-hmm. and, and Ukraine is the suffering. And then I, I talk about how Biden is causing this, and they just lie. They say, no, he's not. Biden actually has no, no ability to change the prices. And I'm like, he ended these oil and gas leases over climate change uh, uh, lawsuits. He's shut down Keystone, which is, is going to affect supply and demand. 
He's absolutely had an impact on these things. Strategic oil reserves, he has a lot of power to change these things. He's absolutely responsible, not for literally everything, but as our leader and his actions, yes. But people lie. They lie. That's what I can't stand. They also don't know how how dirty it is to actually produce the green energy they they have no idea how much like how these rechargeable batteries and things like that they they sit there and well well here's here's one forever how much it is someone someone posted uh, there's a meme going around it's been on twitter and facebook and it says the cost to produce wind energy has uh, gone up zero dollars and zero cents since the war in russia and ukraine i said that's not true the cost of petro lubricants for these have gone up. You're lying. Stop lying to me. Just tell me the truth. I can't take it. So not, not only that, Tim, but think about this. In our ports, did I mention we've got seven ports more than any other member of Congress? Yeah. And by the way, we have strategic petroleum reserves, about 60% of the nation's. And, and why are, why is that called strategic petroleum reserves? It's in our district because it's strategic. You want to keep that oil there until you need it for a strategic reason. Mm-hmm. Don't just release it so you want to try to get out underneath the, owning the fact that you've increased the price of fuel. But, um, I was going to. I will say releasing so, it didn't even do anything to right, drive right, down right, prices right. anyway. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, because we use like what, uh, 20 million a day? Yeah. Windmills yeah. come through our ports. And guess what they come on the back of when they get moved from the port into the <laughs> 18-wheelers? And guess what, and guess, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and guess what 18-wheelers burn? Mm. Oh, I know, diesel. Yeah. I, I have well, no problem saying that uh, wind turbines are fantastic, in my opinion. You said Texas. Texas is number one wind. Number one. It's stuff. awesome. It's awesome. But just stop lying to me about everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wind is not an end-all, be-all solution. We need, when it comes to solar and wind, we need massive battery Industrial-sized battery systems for storage. Rare earth have. minerals. Where are we going to get those? You know, how do you well, get them? Alaska. Yeah. Well, Alaska does Africa some, but right now yeah. China. A lot of the components are from our. Oh, I don't know, our friends in China. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. And rare earths actually aren't necessarily rare. Right. We just need to start being self-sufficient in the United States. How about making it easier to drill, easier to dig, permits to mine? How about the federal government move out of the way and let entrepreneurs and companies do their job? You know, I feel like it's because uh, for a lot of these Democrats, they need to make sure there's a problem that yeah. they can only be the ones to solve. Yeah. And we're heavily subsidizing the green energy um, industry in general, where we they were supposed to, like, not have their subsidies renewed, and yet they came back to us a second time and asked to have them renewed. And so we're paying for that. If it, if it is sustainable and it is what the – what society demands and what the market demands, then we shouldn't have to be subsidizing well, them. Let's pull up this story from Town Hall from March 9th, my birthday just past week. Oh my. Russia Happy funneled, birthday. oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Russia funneled cash to anti fossil fuel climate extremists, 2018 report. They say as the cost of a gallon of gas continues to break state and national records, many are criticizing President uh, Biden for taking an energy independent United States and putting the country in the position of relying upon foreign powers to meet American consumers' demand. In addition to the pain being felt by Americans at the pump, it's also become clear that being energy dependent is a national security liability when foes around the world, such as Russia, China, Iran at all, get antsy or start an all-out war. Conservatives rightly point to radical environmentalists, unhinged anti-fracking and anti-pipeline activists, and Democrat officials, including Biden, Schumer, Pelosi, Sanders, and AOC, as the driving force behind anti-fossil fuel protests. They go on to say... Just a few years ago, through a congressional investigation into Russian interference in U.S. politics, revealed evidence that Russia had a role going back more than a decade now in the radical campaign to get the U.S. and other Western countries to shift away from fossil fuels, a goal much like one of Biden's energy secretary, Jennifer Granholm, stated last week. Now, the first thing I want to say is 
I'm very skeptical skeptical when it comes to the Russian collusion, the the Russia influence and stuff. But that's it, it's it's fair to say we know that Russia, China, Iran, North Korea, even smaller countries are constantly playing these propagandistic uh, moves. My question is, as we're learning about this, is it actually that severe? Is is Russia actually having an impact? in the United States to the point where it's going to cause us to uh, become energy dependent? Or is it marginal? Well, I'm not sure what effect Russia's having on it, but it is very telling which side of this issue they're on. Because oh, they're sure. not exactly interested in they America's long They, they want yes. us to buy their oil. That's exactly <laughs> what I was just going to say. So when it was Russia, Russia, Russia with Trump, mm-hmm. right? What, what was the incentive for not, for wanting him in there, right? Mm-hmm. There was no incentive for them to want Trump to be the next president. Yeah, it made no sense. Right? It made no sense. But this, in fact, there was an incentive for them not to want correct, him to be right. president. But this, this is this. There is real incentive there. They want us to buy their oil, yep. and we and we did. The moment Trump gets out, we go from being a net mm-hmm. exporter to uh, importer. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, yeah. We, we were energy independent, and we should be energy dominant. We should be the number one. Look, y'all are way too young to remember. I was around in nineteen seventy three. When the uh, when the Saudis taught us about oil embargoes, yep. And you talked about in some of your talks earlier about somebody wants to re relive or bring back the oil export ban, and we're saying, look, that means jobs. Um, I actually voted for that in 2015. Uh, in December 2015, got beat up for it a little bit, but we want to be sure we export bans. Russia disinformation it was happening in the campaign earlier. We all know that it's just the Democrats ha- had brought that out. Listen, what they took to the FISA court, some of those activists in the FBI, my sons and FBI agents, I said earlier, most of them, almost all of them great, but there was a few activists at, at the top of the chain there in the FBI. What they did by lying to a federal court, the FISA court, if you and I brought information to a federal, any kind of court mm-hmm. and, cert- and signed off that it was right, they knew it wasn't, right. we would be under the jailhouse. So that Russia collusion is kind of stuck in people's craw for a long time. But when we discovered this in 2017, Lamar Smith and I wrote a letter, right, then to uh, Steve Mnuchin, Secretary of the Treasury, and said, look, there's some money laundering going on here. You need to check into it. And there's a lot of facts that show uh, shell companies in Bermuda that have been moving money over into Sierra Club, for example, Sea Change. There's a whole bunch of clubs that get them. I could go down the list. I've got a list here in my notes. And they literally are funding some of the stuff going on over there. That's a fact. You can't deny it. And look at this. Look at this photo the town hall has. Look at that smile as Joe Biden shakes the hand of Vladimir Putin. Uh, well, that proves it. Yeah. That proves they're colluding. Oh, yeah. this is what they did so much That's, of with oh, Trump. Oh, absolutely. I just they, they I showed love their Trump next to Putin. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, like Biden just looks like <laughs> smiling like an <laughs> idiot, and like Putin just looks look really. Really, actually, well, hold on. Hold, Putin hold, looks hold, like he's like, I got no. Hold on, Joe Biden looks like Beavis. <laughs> oh, he oh, actually he does. does. He does. Oh, Come on, man. <laughs> Did you see that one video? Come on, butthead. Man. He does. <laughs> like Beavis. Oh, there was that one video of Trump shaking Putin's hand and like pulling him in. Yeah. Like, oh, he does that. that. Yeah, he yeah. does that. He's he would he would shake their hand and then pull everybody. Yeah. yeah like assert your dominance. This I, that's not what's happening there. Who was yeah. who was the one person? I think Trudeau. Like pushed his leg out and then didn't let Trump do it. And then all the left was like, yeah, go Trudeau. And they were cheering or whatever. Yeah, I wonder what they're thinking about him today. What do those same truckers think? They they, they still keep defending people like that. So so I think it's fair to point out, uh, as we previously mentioned, Putin has a, a real reason to incentivize the United States to get off of fossil fuels so that we become dependent upon them. 
It's not hard to know. We, we also have uh, natural gas in Europe as well. Has there been any indication that they're doing similar practices in Europe? Oh, absolutely. The, the actual campaign went against fossil fra- uh, fuels in, in terms of fracking, in terms of LNG, uh, everything that they did in Europe, and, and uh, they're doing over here. Now, my district, as you know, exports LNG, and they look for 20-year contracts. And so when they contract with a, com- a country like Poland and some of the others, it's a long-term contract. Putin is seeing that. He doesn't want that. LNG is a bit esoteric, so just once again for anyone who's recently <laughs> liquefied, joined, liquefied natural gas. Yeah, well, yeah. That's, 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 really that's real quick. That's Nord Stream too, uh, right? They're doing liquefied natural gas from Russia to Germany. Yeah, and the interesting thing is the CEO of Nord Stream two is a friend of uh, who knew Putin, <laughs> one of his confidants. Yep. Right, and even of Gazprom, one of the top ele- yep. one of the top officials of Gazprom is a uh, a friend of Putin's. I think they have ties back to not the nineties when they were together in the mayor's office. Right. Um, oh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta ask you about um, Joe Biden and Barisma. I mean, you you seem to be one of the experts on energy, if not the expert. And so you take a look at what's happening with, uh, uh, you know, Donald Trump, Ukraine Gate, Barisma, Hunter Biden, now the laptop story. Yeah. My, 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 my view of this, cause I've been, I've been following these stories for, you know, almost a decade with the, the Qatar Turkey pipeline, mm-hmm. Syria, Assad, and of course the U.S. trying to, I should say the West wanting to offset Russia's control of natural gas through, sure. through, through Ukraine. You got gas coming through Israel, you could come up through Cyprus, and you, yeah. there's a lot of discussion about that too. So, uh, What's the is there something going on? Was there something going on with the U.S. Burisma in attempting to shut down Russia's you know control with gas? You know that's one thing I'm not familiar with. Uh, I started hearing first hearing about that with with the Biden thing when right. uh, literally Joe Biden, uh, Hunter Biden, and and by the way I know they're, they're concerned because with Ukraine in a heck of a mess it is now. I mean, does that mean Hunter Biden's salary is getting cut? <laughs> but any investigation right. about that was shut down. Right. It's check balance, right? right. And, like, well, yeah. It's well, and look, Joe Biden, you know, he did this uh, on a video. He said, you know what? I told them that if they didn't fire this guy that was investigating that company, he said, I, they don't get the $1 billion. That's and, right. And SOB, bleep, you know, what do you know? Six fired. hours later, they, he was fired. Yep. It, it, it really does feel uh, uh, to me like, you know, I, I think there's NATO's interest in getting a cheaper gas into Europe. And then I feel like Biden was uh, – looking to wet his whistle. He thought, hey, look, here's my opportunity. We're going to, it's, it's in the U.S. interest to do this, but I'm going to make some money off it. Germany's really intertwined in all this, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have this, like, Rosa Luxemburg Foundation, and they are affiliated with Democratic Socialists, and they have an office in New York, um, and they hold these training sessions on how to, like, protest pipelines, pipelines and fracking and the whole nine yards. And they, they also do, they team up with um, Sea Change and the Sierra Club. So then there's this guy, Ben Beachy, who works for the Sierra Club. Who's he meeting with on the Hill lately? AOC, Jayapal, all of them. And then you go to his social media. He said every single Antifa protest. Every wonder, single one. I wonder if AOC, you know, is aware of uh, what the ramifications of her advocacy would mean. Uh, I, I like to shout out Greta Thunberg. You know, everyone's, you know, how, how dare you? Um, because <laughs> Stolen my she has that quote where she said, we don't want to wait until 2030 or 2023. We want to end fossil fuels now. How many people would you estimate will die overnight if we immediately just shut off fossil fuels? 60 million? Oh, my gosh. You know, just think of the 
just think of the cold winters up north. Uh, and, you know, New York doesn't, by the way, the state of New York doesn't buy LNG from America. They buy it from Russia. Ah. Wow. We, we, really? We, they do. We call it the dirty Putin wait, gas. Wait, wait, wait. So so now that we've banned imports from Russia, New right. York is in trouble. That that You would sure th- hope so. You bet you. you can't, <laughs> well, you can't trust the Biden administration. They may have carved yeah. out an exception. You know what I mean? But think about it. Uh, and not only that, but we generate electricity with it in the south. So yeah. people could die from no air conditioning in the south in the summertime when it's 100 degrees. Diabetics instantly because you, insulin oh, yeah. has got to be refrigerated. Right. Uh, people can't drive to work. Uh, Food spoils. Oxygen, Absolutely. hospitals. Well, oxygen, oh, yeah. Those who are on di- 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 dialysis yeah. machines. Yep. Instantly. Yep. Yeah. I don't think the squad gets it. And I, my wife, I told my wife that we ought to call them the odd squad. And she said, don't tell people that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love it. So, you just did. Yeah. <laughs> So if you want to see that, it's Randy Webb. He always does what he's not supposed to do. <laughs> I'm not supposed to say they're the odd squad. That's what I'm saying, yeah. But yeah. I, I, I really do wonder if uh, – I, I, I'm, I'm of the opinion that Ocasio-Cortez absolutely knows people will die and she doesn't care. I genuinely – because these are, these are not the kind of people that would come on a show like this and actually have a sit-down conversation about those things. She's not the kind of person – I mean, look, when she told the story on January 6th – when she told the story of January 6th, she completely fabricated it. And just I, – I have to tell everybody every time this comes this comes up. But she said there's a knock on her door and the, you know, then she went in the bathroom and she heard someone say, where is she? Yeah. And she, she thought to herself, they, they made it in. The issue was that incident happened an hour before anyone breached the Capitol building. Her so the office I, is in our building, just so you know. So oh. it, her office is in our building. No, no, for sure. Didn't, and it didn't happen at all the way. But what, what happened was when conservatives pointed that out, the media said, yes, but there are tunnels. Mm-hmm. So AOC being scared was reasonable. And I said, no, it wasn't because her story happened a full hour before anyone even knew the building was going to be breached. Yeah. Which means if she, there's no possible way she was in her office thinking to herself, they made it here. She made that up. Unless and she was colluding with those who were not breaking Absolutely. That. The only tunnel they could have gotten through through the Capitol would be the cannon tunnel, which was immediately the first thing they shut down. So right. not true. Yeah. So the whole story is fabricated, and, and when you hear things like that, I, I just assume she she makes things up. So it's possible that she doesn't know what she's talking about when it comes to climate, and she's just saying whatever she needs to say. That's also, what I believe. It, but it's also possible she's completely aware of what it would mean to just shut off fossil fuels and do what she's planning on doing. I mean, the whole Green New Deal. Look, when when the Green New Deal was first being proposed, it was a, it was a bit vague. It was this idea of government investing in green energy. And I, I, in my opinion, I'm like, that sounds fantastic. American energy independence, the renewable, doesn't say we're not talking about getting rid of fossil fuels. We're talking about bolstering our technology, maybe even fusion power. What did we get? The bill was social justice, free college, free health care, and get rid of farting cows. Well, she's the boss, Tim. Mm-hmm. You remember that? No one else is proposing ideas. I'm the boss right now. Oh, right, right. <laughs> but you know what Gosh. she did that was smart that, like, Republicans I don't seem to always do is that she messaged it and messaged it and mm-hmm. messaged it when she was – she had no power. She was a freshman in Congress, yep. right? Right. She got it in the minds of every single person out there through the young people and all, and then now – they had to do something with it. So it has evolved over time. And that's why organizations like Rosa Luxemburg Foundation and these people that are doing this propaganda are latching onto that and filling it, filling that with terrible substance because she doesn't have it on her own. I, I just want to say I feel like if you took the average American who votes Democrat and just sat them down with, say, you, Randy, and AOC, they'd be voting Republican after half an hour. Or they'd be calling him racist and not No, I, no I don't think so. You don't think I'm, so? I, there are, there are, there are, right. there are culty people who just want to fit in. 
I'm talking about your regular working class person who says, I need to feed my kids. Fair You're, enough. W- w- conversations like this, we don't see them. Th- these people don't come on the show. They, we, we've invited many people on the left. It's, it's hard to get. What we end up getting is mock offers from leftist personalities who want to just troll us. Sometimes we do have more left-leaning personalities who are willing to come on the show, and they'll argue with us. But for the most part, it's a very serious concern. Greta Thunberg said, shut down fossil fuels right now. That would result in 60 million or so dead. What's your proposal? You never get an answer to those questions because they're not willing to answer them on these shows. I don't think they're genuine people, which is why I say you take a regular person, you take AOC, you take Randy, you put them in a room, and they're going to walk out and be like, I didn't get any answers from the left. Yeah, I mean, you're right. From the perspective of these left-wing activists, they have no reason to justify any of their positions. They're just correct, as was summarized by AOC when she said people will criticize you for being factually inaccurate when you're morally correct. Oh, yeah, that was great, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So are you <laughs> saying doesn't. when you say the lefties won't come on, so Chris Como hasn't accepted your invitation to come on? <laughs> well, I'm actually I I would assume first of all with Chris Cuomo, he's 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 probably too big. You know, he doesn't care. He's getting paid millions of dollars and now he's doing a suit, and we're not fans of his. He probably wouldn't want to come on just because, you know, we've been, you know, very, very like opposed to him. But um Well and you're telling things like it is. Right. People ought to be and, did I mention people ought to be sharing this program? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you a really good example. Yeah. Um Jen Huger of the Young Turks or Anna Kasparian, for instance, I understand they do their own show. It's a fair point to say they have no time to come out here to the East Coast and come on our show when they do their own show. Yeah. However, they have done they, they go out of their way often to misrepresent our views and lie about us. Just today, the Daily Beast wrote a fake story about uh, Tulsi Gabbard as well as me. It was uh, Jared Holt who used to work for Right Wing Right Wing Watch. He just wrote a fabricated narrative falsely accusing us of pushing a, a Q conspiracy about biolabs in Ukraine when all we did here on the show was say, wow, Victoria Nuland testified before the Senate that she was concerned about these biolabs. And then they try and make it seem like we're pushing weird conspiracies about Vladimir Putin and stopping weapons or something, which we never did. And so when you – so we've invited Jared Holt on the show several times. He won't do it. He won't come on the show, and I think it's because he knows – he will be absolutely eviscerated He's in scared. terms of the facts. I'll be at it. He, yeah. they're, they're able to stand in their ivory tower shouting down lies to the sure. masses. They have no reason to come here and be proven wrong. And you know Victoria Newland was a holdover from Obama, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so she testified There's a Ukraine has biolabs, and there's a fear that if Russia gets a hold of them, you know, there could be uh, problems. And that's what we said. In fact, what we did that's say as well here. was we said uh, the maps showing U- uh, Russian attacks and biolabs don't even sync up. And yet the Daily Beast publishes a story accusing uh, Tulsi Gabbard, me, Tucker Carlson, of pushing lies in line with the, with, with the Kremlin for simply citing Victoria Newland. These people won't come on and be proven wrong, which is why I say if, yeah. if you sat down with them and, 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 and here's the fascinating thing, too. Like you're sitting here saying, you know, Texas is the is the win state. It's what number one you said, right? Uh, yes, sir. That's great news to many of these people on the left. Texas is doing a fantastic job in terms of renewable. But you've got some honest points to make. You need year-round energy to be available, and wind can't can't be all of that. That's right. But they don't want to hear it. And there, and and we know that some of the elements in in the wind energy system, uh, especially if you're talking about batteries and solar panels and stuff, they hate nuclear. The left hates nuclear because they don't want to know what to do with the waste, and they pretty much they well they killed Yucca Mountain, even though that was a great design. And so wind energy has waste. At some point in time, there's going to be right. something that's got to be done something with. Batteries are the same way. If you've ever had a car with a battery that needed to be replaced, 
guess what? It's going to be done something done with it. And it's really difficult to, to deal with these large, massive electric car batteries. It and, is. And, and, it's, and it's also, where do they think the electricity comes from for these electric cars? The, the fascinating thing is, you know, I really wish these people would take Energy Economics 101, the mm-hmm. basic beginning, so they can understand, understand things like energy return on energy invested. They can understand the root of all energy and, and the U.S. And, and, and human economy. I watched this really great documentary, and it starts off in, you know, tribal caveman era, and it said the first form of energy utilized by man was man's own energy, using his own arms to, to uh, run, to hunt. And then we started using tools and leverage. Then we started, at some point, lumber, burning wood. And burning wood allowed us to do things. Then we had coal. Then, you know, we apply coal to, say, steam for, for, for motion. Develop the wheel in order to move things. Right. Mm-hmm. It was talking about uh, – I'm sorry, I skipped over animals. Yeah. So humans use their own hands. Then they started using basic tools for leverage, but then they used animal mm-hmm. energy. Cows could eat, oxen could eat grass and then pull something they couldn't pull. Eventually, they figured out how to burn, you know, carbon, then eventually coal. Then eventually we discover petroleum, which was massively energy dense nuclear energy. And so we're constantly trying to find ways to maximize energy output with minimal energy input. And that's energy return on energy invested, which not, they don't understand any of these concepts. And especially the investment part of it. You know, when you've got a federal government that's so anti-fossil fuel, making it so hard for people to invest money, and I don't care whether it's a windmill farm, whether it's a nuclear facility, whether it's a gas-fired power plant, when you've got to jump through all the hoops and all the regulations, and it takes two or three years to plan something, uh, they're making it hard to build energy. And you've got China out there, it depends on whose numbers you're using, burn, making a coal plant a week, a month, whatever it is. is a, um, I don't know if you, you know the answer, but is nuclear has the highest energy return on energy invested? Is it nuclear? might be petroleum. It's, it's going to depend on the market value at any given point right, in time. Right, right, right. Right. Yeah. But I will tell you that for nuclear, to go in and put in a nuclear system and a facility, and it's billions of dollars. Yeah. Now, so the payback's going to stretch way out. And when you're an investor and you're looking at those things, and the federal government's making it extremely hard for you on the front end to even get a permit, let's just say in two years, you go, mm, I don't want to necessarily wait that long. I should probably... Uh, give uh, an understanding of was it E-R-O-I-E-I or whatever uh, for people who don't understand it's basically fracking for a long time was w- w- produced less energy than we, we put into it it was not worth producing it the investment wouldn't come back out of it and then once gas prices started to get, become more higher and higher all of a sudden we could put in the energy to get energy back so what this means is if you spend let's, let's, let's do it by hours it's a really easy way to understand it if it takes you 100 hours to get a wind turbine up but that wind turbine can only produce 101 hours of energy. It's a very, very weak return on building this massive structure. So you're using petroleum energy to get back even one. I think a lot of these renewables actually have a negative return. So we're, we're having solar installed at, uh, at, at our new facility. And we're looking at, I think it's, you know, 30 or 40 years before we generate enough energy to cover the energy required to make the panels and the batteries. So we use oil to run the machines that make the solar and the batteries, and that system cannot generate more energy than the oil that was put into it. It's it's convenient for us that if the power goes out, we will have backup power. It's convenient for us that we can generate our own power on a sunny day, but it takes oil energy to give us that convenience. Hopefully in the future, we're at a point where 
we can use wind energy to charge electric vehicles and factories to build more wind energy. But that's the big cha- one of the big challenges we face. Well, think about it. all the stuff that was built in that scenario you just laid out. If you're building a facility and they're bringing huge solar panels, it's going to be carried by a diesel truck that uses diesel. Maybe we'll do Cybertruck. Maybe we'll have the uh, uh, Elon Musk deliver by Cybertruck powered by solar panels. But uh, oh, oh. certainly we're decades away from anything like that. I was going to say that's going to be – yeah. I'll yeah. be long gone by then. Yeah. Right? Well, we're, we're going to miss you. I do, I do think <laughs> the, the challenge is that uh, just oil is so massively energy dense, yeah. which provides a great opportunity. The, the discovery and implementation of oil, you can see it in human population expansion. It was just massive. Well, here's the other thing, too, Tim. We have been good. and re- Look, fossil fuel in and of itself is not the enemy. We can produce energy cleanly from fossil fuel. In fact, I was on the Environmental Red Committee in the state of Texas, I mentioned earlier, and we oversaw a lot of the emissions in Texas. You know, we have our own facility, uh, TCERQ, Texas Commission on Environmental Quality in Texas. It's uh, the second largest environmental regulatory agency in the country, second only to the EPA. And we do a good job of monitoring our things in Texas. We were reducing emissions. When you've got, when we kill our, if the left gets their way and they kill fossil fuel, I'm sure that when we kill our fossil fuel industry, then China's going to follow suit, India's going to follow oh, suit, yeah. Mexico's going to follow suit, Russia's going to follow suit. No, we can produce energy cleanly, and China doesn't produce energy as cleanly as we do. Russia doesn't do it, India doesn't do it, Mexico doesn't do it. They're major polluters. And so why are we seeking to kill our energy industry over here when it would be less than, I forget what the figure is, less than one one-hundredth of a percent of all the emissions in, in the in the world? No, we need to be doing it as cleanly as we can. And it's national security, it's domestic security, it's economic security, and it's family security, quite frankly, because as you pointed out, they've got to be able to drive cars, go to the grocery store. That's right. Well, let's go to Super Chats. If you haven't already smashed that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends, and uh, get your Super Chats in now, so we'll be reading as many as we can. At around 11 or so p.m., we'll have a members-only segment of the podcast going up for everybody at TimCast.com. And uh, let's read some of your Super Chats. The first Super Chat, can't read your name, unfortunately. They say, why does Ian look like Seamus? Oh. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Cut his hair. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Cut his hair and his age and a half. Yeah, that's right. That's right. There you go. On St. Patrick's Day, he That's he didn't right. wear green and he, he just morphed into. into yeah, well, right. no, Ian wasn't wearing green, and Seamus just you know just just t- he, had, he had to hit him right. That's what yeah. you do on St. Patrick's That's Day. That's kind of how it works. Yeah. And then I mean, I'm not wearing and green either, but I don't have to. You Ian know? started crying and he yeah. ran and locked his locked yeah. himself in his room. Yeah. Embarrassing. <laughs> no, Ian's sick. Ian's sick, but he'll be all right. All right, let's see. Awesome Archivist says, Tim, I love your content, but I have one criticism. Kids born 1996 to 2002 are completely different from those born in 2003 to 2013 because of the technological jump when the first iPhone came out. That mm-hmm. I totally understand. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Eric Miller says, since Seamus is taking Ian's place, what what are his thoughts on graphene and the Federal Reserve? Oh. That's a really good question. <laughs> I need, I, so I have a graphene expert. He's sick right now, but oh, okay. I will consult with him before the next show, and then I'll <laughs> okay. let you guys know. All right. See, Hennessy says, Randy, my dude, what's your best advice for someone tempted running for Congress in their home district? I ask because the reps for my district don't even live here, and I'd hate to vote for them. Oh, wow. Well, you better be from your district. You better be the real deal. I love a business background. I owned an air conditioning company for 35 years. My wife's a school teacher of 27 years. She's oh, wow. retired. You ought to be well-grounded in your district. Be the real deal. You know, let Talk to people. Tell them what your plan is. Have a plan, work that plan, and tell them what you'll do. 
Tell them what you will do and then do it. But it's also important to start out local. So um, Randy started out like everybody should, or you know, on the the local level. Commissioner first, then state. You got to you have to earn it. You have to earn it. You have to start yeah. local and do school board, do That's county true. commissioner, do state rep, and then and then build your way up. You can't. Sometimes people just think, oh, I'll just run for Congress, but you have to establish yourself first right. and, and you get people to know you. If you want more advice, randyweber.org. dot <laughs> <There> you go. <laughs> yeah. All right, Murph tries says Tim in the multiverse would. Cuomo be working for Project Veritas. There exists a universe where Cuomo has exposed CNN. Wow. Just, just imagine this. There's a universe where Cuomo never worked for CNN. And he like got into a fight with his family. And he was like, I don't want to be a part of this establishment machine. And he meets James O'Keefe. And they become best friends. And then Cuomo goes undercover and exposes the whole thing. I really want to know what like the dating thing is like there. Because they, they put these... Girls oh, right. on dates with these guys. Like, how many dates do you have to go happen, on yeah. <laughs> to get like that information out of them? And and what are the ethics behind it? And I, like, I think that we somebody needs to come on and explain that process. I have a feeling what happens with Project Veritas because they use Tinder and stuff is that they're mostly just swiping, trying to like imagine this. How do you even find the guy? Mm-hmm. You have to just. Keep swiping until you find someone who says, I work at CNN, and then hope they respond to you. But I guess if you swipe, you'll get it. But I'd imagine... Men kind of swipe to everybody, isn't that what right. they do? Right. So, and if you work at CNN, they don't have that many other options. You know what I mean? But, but I'd imagine the first date. The first date with any one of these people, these guys are hamming it up and just saying everything, trying to seem like they're more important and cool by, by exposing the stuff. Look what I know. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So when you get, and it's probably very easy for Veritas's journalists to, to say things like, Oh, yeah, you know, Trump's bad, but I mean, come on, CNN kind of pushes it, right? And then they're going to be like, oh, right, yeah, here's what we've done. Because now they think they have a way to impress this young woman. It's brilliant. I don't know if I could fake being a Democrat for like more, like, for long. (laughs) I don't think I, I don't think it could happen. That would suck. All right, all right. We got all these jokes about Seamus and Ian and everything. (laughs) You guys should really be more sensitive. Livin says, if the red wave comes, are the mechanisms for Republicans to overrule Biden's energy policy or Kamala if Biden is impeached first? Uh, Let me try and rephrase that. Uh, When the red wave comes in November, will you guys be able to actually commandeer and and, and start fixing this energy policy? Yes, we have a plan. We don't want to have what happened after Obama was there. We want to repeal Obamacare. And you know the famous thing about uh, the senator I don't want to, from Arizona, I don't want to disrespect him, but he Mm. voted down, put the thumbs down on on the Senate. Yeah, you know, I don't want to do that. So we have to have a plan to do what we're going to do. Now, don't forget, and Biden even said it, was it yesterday or was the day before the Democratic Conference caucus? He said, he said, if that happens, all I will have is a veto pen in the White House. Oh, so we will do everything we can to stop the bad bills from the de- – they're just passing everything right now left and right. And, of course, he's more than happy to sign them. So we will be able to shut down the progressive left, the liberals, the socialistic uh, uh, attempt to take over our country. And uh, the president will be there simply to stop us from. You know, we can only yeah. we, we can only hold on to twenty twenty four. Until Trump wins, here is <laughs> here's yeah. something you guys should look out for though. Get with gas prices being so high, Democrats are looking for ways to bring these costs down. And yeah. some of it they want to do like a highway tax, um, uh, like a gas tax. They want to eliminate the gas tax. They want they're looking to do cash payments, right? And so if they put these policies out, and the American public who doesn't pay attention thinks it's a good 
thing and they watch Republicans vote it down, then when yep. it comes time for midterms, that gets a little dicey. It'll yeah. be funny when Joe Biden is like, we're going to give every American a thousand dollars a month to pay for gas. Yep. And then it's just one more step towards socialized. They economic. are talking oh, they, about that. Yeah. They did that in the pandemic. And, you know, they couldn't get a bill brought to the floor last week because they couldn't agree that they wanted more money for pandemic. 80, yeah. Was it $80 billion, something like that? And they didn't even have the votes to bring it to the floor. Well, we have a good question right here. It's an interesting one. Bear Essential says, has Biden done anything good as president? No. Has Biden done anything good as president? Mm. He uh, increased the timeline on releasing the vaccine by like a month. Mm-hmm. He sped up the timeline. Yeah. He still yeah. had more COVID deaths and cases that whole year, so he kind of botched the whole thing. So I don't right. know if he can get credit for that because it didn't work out for yeah, him. I had, yeah. I, I'm not going to comment on the vaccine. I don't want to tank your show. Thank you. Well, has he done it? Yes, he has done something good as president. He's kept Kamala Harris from becoming yep. president. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he, 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 he chose though? her for the VP. Has he? he put her closer uh, to the presidency than anyone uh, could have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'll, we'll leave it there. All right. Let's read this one from Austin. He says, Tim, if due process is all that is needed to justify your rights being taken away, then you should be fine with gun control laws. As the legislative process is due process, albeit, uh, albeit wrong and unconstitutional. No, that's not due process. That is, that is incorrect. The Constitution is supreme law of the land, and it says the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. It is not due process would be amending the Constitution, not just arbitrarily passing laws that violate the Constitution. In which case, due process is if you commit crimes, now we as a society can say you have violated some kind of, you know, committed a crime. That being said, where is the line, right? So we talk about free speech and hate speech. If we say, okay, well, look, we all agree illegal speech is not free speech, right? Like threatening people. Couldn't the government just pass a law saying, okay, well, this is considered a threat as well, and then they can just keep encroaching on free speech? Well, they do threat assessments all the time. Um, you know, we get a lot of death threats from across the country. Well, there was a guy that issued one to us. Uh, and this, it's one thing to get him from New York, California, wherever. But there was a guy that issued one that lived 30 miles south of me. Wow. FBI went out and picked him up. Oh, boy. Because it's credible death yeah, threats. Right. You know, it's the old famous Supreme Court case. You're right to scream, shout fire is a uh, curtailed in the theater. Yeah. We've uh we've had I think we've been swatted more than any other show this year. Yeah, it's exciting. Six, I don't think six times. It explains swatting for oh. right. Do you know cuz I you don't know, know if knows what swatting is. This is when someone calls the local police and then says something wild and outrageous to trigger a SWAT response to your address. Yes. So while we were doing the show, it was the day it was January 6th it was the day after we had Marjorie Taylor yeah. Greene she came here on the 5th. Someone called in and claimed they had killed someone. And so cops show up, you know, multiple jurisdictions were called and they show up, surround the house. They have their, you know, they're, you know, pulling up the lights on. They're like, put your hands in the air. And then the people outside have to put their hands up. And then it's happened six times. It's now involving two different states. And then we had the bomb squad here just the other day. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're, we're getting these. You, you know, you're on the right track, people. You need to share this program. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. Apparently. You don't have well, any, if you don't have any enemies, you're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I talked about this in a segment on my morning show as to why it's happening. And I think it's because we're a fairly moderate, you know, like we're, we're kind of middle of the road on a lot of issues. We're not over, you know, overtly conservative. Ian, he was normally here as kind of a weird, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to describe his politics wild card, but sometimes, you know, he's, he's, it favors establishment narrative. Sometimes he doesn't. 
So it's not always. He likes graphene and hates the Federal Reserve. That's pretty much yeah. 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 But 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 sometimes he'll agree with you know like he he was he was kind of uh, arguing in favor of COVID restrictions to a certain he's degree. Like right? he's pro death penalty. Yeah, so. so so he's a, he's a wild card. But I, I was thinking maybe it's because they can't ban us and they and and there's no way to you know they can go over after Crowder with strikes and and get him off the air. But for us. We have, you know, you, Randy, on the show. We have Marjorie Taylor Greene on the show. We had Steve Bannon. We had Alex Jones. We have these people that many of these activists and, and figures don't like. What can you really do to try and hinder us if we're not breaking the rules and getting banned? They need to go forward and, and target us with very serious threats. You know, they, they, they try lying and coming after our advertisers and things like that, but we're mostly a member-supported network. So it's the people who watch, who go to TimCast.com and be members that keep us floating. So we've really taken away a lot of their ability to censor us the one thing it seems they have left is death threats and swatting and sure. you know bomb scares and things like that. Well, the crazies are out there. That's true. Yep. All right. Matthew Gill says, please ask Rep. Weber if he will be voting for the Sunshine Protection Act when it goes to the House. If so, my circadian rhythms thank him. Are we talking about the daylight savings yeah. bill? I think that's yeah. what it is, right? We're, I think we're I think we're debating this still, right? Like, yeah, we, what do you think? We've been debating. Me and my wife have been debating. It for <laughs> so, <laughs> so stay stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> I I just think it's so silly because it's you just wake up early. Yeah. You know, I'm so confused by that. Just wake up an hour. I wake well, up at seven a.m. every day. I, I'm thoroughly convinced that convinced that maybe it's just me. I, maybe the science isn't in yet, but I think the sun rises at the same time yes, every morning. It's true. You know, yeah. and I think it sets the same time every evening. So that's that's the weirdest thing to me. How it's like we all need to agree as society we're changing our clocks at the same time. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I can just wake up yeah, early. That's right. And well, so that's 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 your answer right there. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. To be fair, when I worked in the hospital, a lot of the nurses would complain that they would get up and go to work in the dark, and then they'd come home in the dark and it was really frustrating well actually i think the bigger issue is just daylight savings time seems irrelevant and we should get rid of it yeah and if that's what the bill does then we're getting rid of it and i say good you know they tried it before though in getting the 70s. rid of it yeah in the 70s Sucked. and and kids were still like walking to school every day and things like that and there were uh, an increase of children getting hurt and run over by cars and Aww. hit and well but i think so they the, switched it back well i think what they're saying now though is not to get rid of it it's that we're going to make it always you know we're gonna we're gonna make it so that it's daylight more by moving the clocks back or whatever, so we all wake up early or something. That's what they were saying, but still, it's almost it, what they're trying to do is the same thing. What they want now is it to be late, it, like um, light out later in the afternoon. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're saying now that kids are not walking to school like they used to, that won't be an impediment. It's, it's the stupidest but, thing ever. Well, have the kids come to school an hour early and leave an hour early. You know, right. you, either you go out in the dark or you come in in the dark. Yeah, yeah. and so it's. Fairly simple. Just um, have your kids come to school earlier? That makes no sense to I, It's just the weirdest thing. Well, Get rid of all of it. Whatever. Well, people don't understand that because they're in the dark. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, exactly. There you go. That's, That's a good way to put it. Yes. <laughs> okay, right. All right. Common Sense Fishing says, your punishment should end with your sentence. I was 19, innocent, got screwed, and got a strike and felony. Mm-hmm. I'm 40, HVAC contractor, father and husband, no trouble in over 20 years. I want my two-way rights back. I agree 100%. Yes, yes yeah. sir. Yeah, we agree, too. Absolutely. So that's something. Uh, you interested in repealing the uh, NFA? The NFA? Yeah, the National Firearms Act. Um, you know what? I'm not that familiar with it. I think that everybody ought to have the right to carry a gun. This is like, yes. Wait, yes. no, no, no. We, we filled out. We had to fill out a Gun Owners of America survey. Yeah. And yeah. it was like, do you repeal this? He answered yes on every single one when he had the legislation in front of him. Well, so, so the, 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 the National Firearms Act is what basically uh, stops people or makes it very difficult to own select oh, fire rifles. Oh, 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 oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I forget what they call it. Yes. 
Yeah, you betcha. All right, there we yeah. go. No, no, no. I'm sorry. She's right. I have filled out eight. We uh, had, uh, has, I was in the last sitting there, and I'm like, how do you yeah. feel about this one? How do you yeah, feel yeah, about yeah, this one? Yeah. And he has voted to you know, forgive I, all of them. I, I tell people I hate acronyms. Oh, yeah. I, I'm on a one-man uh, thing to stamp out acronyms. Huh. A- hey, you were a- saying L- ASAP. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, so – I got I, I got a bunch of these you know lefty activists mad at me because I said the Second Amendment protects your right to keep and bear nuclear arms and biological arms. <laughs> I do. I think so. I'm I not agree, saying actually. I'm not saying people should have them. Yeah. I'm saying that yeah. if it is plain that the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, yeah. it does not go on to explain what that meant. In yeah. fact, back in the day, privateers and corsairs had they had their own frigates. Frigates. They had you know great a- shot. They absolutely. had cannons and artillery. Absolutely, yeah. they did. They so, had the same weapons as their government. Exactly. And the governments issued letters of mark and reprisal exactly. so they could go and use them. Correct. Absolutely. So, you know, the funny thing is, too, Halliburton, Boeing, Lockheed Martin, these are private companies. Yeah. They have these weapons. Yes, they do. So why can't any, you know, why is it only these special privileged companies? No. So they got mad at me and they were like, Tim Poole says that the Second Amendment grants people the right. And I'm like, they cut they cut it because I was I said a whole paragraph actually, and they had to end the video as fast as possible because I went on to say something to the effect of like I'm not saying anyone should have these things. I'm saying we should amend the Constitution, mm-hmm. and most people would probably agree people should not have nuclear weapons and biological yeah, weapons. Right, that's right. But they cut that part out because you know they want to lie. Oh yeah, context. absolutely. Imagine that. Yep, yep. But I think um, you know one thing that the left really doesn't understand, uh, especially with fully automatic weapons, is that. When it, when it comes to these mass shooting incidents and tragedies, as much as it might sound shocking, you would if, – if someone is going – first of all, we don't want any of these things ever to happen, right? No. But if someone has full auto, a full auto rifle, it ends the, circum- the situation much more quickly because they'll spray and pray. They'll miss. They'll unload all their rounds and then be left with no more ammo. Mm. So you're, you're actually it's, – it's actually – you know – Banning full auto doesn't actually make anything safer is probably the best way to put it. Plus, it also uh, – the, the National Firearms Act restricts uh, suppressors, which also make firing a weapon substantially safer for everybody. It's the weirdest thing. Yeah, it takes a long time to get a suppressor now. I've heard about from some of my constituents. Yeah, but, yeah it takes like a year, uh, about a year, That's I'm told. Fine. But what does a suppressor do? You know, to people who watch – this is what I was saying. The left, they watch the Hollywood movies where it's – yeah. They've never actually gone out and fired one, and it's not making that sound, no. and you're still wearing your ear protection. No kidding. <laughs> yep. They need to educate themselves. And if they haven't been able to do that, they ought to at least take a shot at it. <laughs> Aha, this guy's got all the puns and dad jokes, man. I love it. I told you it was going to be an eye lab, but it's all good fun. <laughs> all right. Let's, uh, let's see what we have. Wesley Luck says, for Randy, I was born and raised in... Brazoria County. Ron Paul delivered uh, delivered some of my friends. Wow. Yeah. How do you feel about him and his history in Washington? How do you relate to his limited government ideals? Well, I said I had his endorsement, uh, and I told I don't know how long you've been watching, but you need to watch this program frequently. That's right. And you need to share it with your friends. <laughs> but but uh, I had his endorsement, um, and uh, I have his district. Obviously, it's a little changed with redistricting. But limited government, and I tell people I'm a Christian conservative Republican. Uh, Ron Paul, I think, identified more as a libertarian. Mm-hmm. But he was on the right track. Audit the Fed. Make them accountable. Amen. There's, a, there's a lot of things that he that he was on the right track with. A lot of people took advantage to some of his stances. Uh, one of them was that he thought Iran ought to be able to get a nuclear weapon, which I didn't agree with that because they're nuts over there. They're religious yeah. nut jobs. That's the libertarian uh, in them, though, you know. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I get that. Uh, but anyway... 
Uh, for the most part, we're pretty much lockstep. Um, uh, he's still in my district over in Lake Jackson. We see him riding a bicycle every now and then. Uh, absolutely. Oh, you cool. betcha. Great guy. And we, we still we, have some of his staff left over. We, we do have some yeah. of his staff. Do, do we still have his picture on the gym door? We do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and we have that uh, life-size uh, yeah. thing. Two Christmases ago wow, when our yeah. friend Luke Rudkowski was here, who's uh, – I, I think he's also friends with, with, uh, with Ron Paul. Right. He uh, – uh, we put up the Christmas tree, and one day I came out, and there was a picture of Ron Paul on top, and he said, I couldn't decide between a star or an angel, so I chose both. Nice. <laughs> 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 so, I'm, I'm good friends with Rand, and I'm good – and actually his daughter uh, is a doctor. Uh, in our area lives in the same uh, town that I do. Big nice. fans of Rand Paul as well. Yeah, yeah. You So so after the tree came down, we put it up again last Christmas. Yeah. And then whenever whenever the tree comes down, the picture, which is just printed off of a printer, is just stuck to the window because, yep. well, no <laughs> one's going to throw it away. You yeah. know? So now sure. we have we have Rand Paul, or, I'm sorry, Ron, Ron Paul yeah. on the door to our little workout area, our yep. little gym. Yeah. All right. Raymond G. Stanley Jr. says, McShamus, sir. Remember World War II? Wasn't that cool? <laughs> yeah, man. We should try to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys, please, please, please check out our newest cartoon from Freedom Tunes. Just go over there, youtube.com slash Freedom Tunes. Uh, you'll get the reference. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Jonathan M. Thomas says, let me guess. I bet this congressman is okay with Ukrainian refugees coming here, but was probably against Syrian and Afghan refugees coming here and doesn't want Mexicans. Mexicans bad, Ukrainians good. Didn't I discuss that earlier? I'm not against illegal immigration. I'm not against Mexicans or Hispanics. We wanted to do it the right way there. So you, you are against illegal immigration? Well, I'm basically. against illegal immigration. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, uh, we, we went through this with Afghanis. Uh, those who helped our country, those who stood by our side, whether they were interpreters or whatever they were, uh, we owe them a debt of privilege, you know, uh, sacrifice and thank for them, and they need to be able to come over here. But they need to be vetted. Not just everybody want, mm-hmm. we want to get them on a plane because mm-hmm. they said they helped. They, they need to be vetted. Had Biden not withdrawn from Afghanistan in such a haphazard fashion, then we could have done that in a lot better, a lot better shape, yeah. way. Uh, Ukrainians, same thing. If they're going to come over here, they need to be vetted. But why would the Ukrainians come over here? Yeah, I wouldn't think they, I think they would want to stay close to countries where they're from. Right. And I said that, by the way, about Afghanistan, Syrians, Afghanistan's, Iraqis, whoever, go to the countries around you. Now, you led, alluded to this earlier, Tim, we're a country with a lot of wealth. People want to come participate yep. in that. I get that. You know, this, this is what, what, what <clears throat> bugs me a lot, because um, I mentioned that I, I know people in Ukraine. I have a friend, and uh, I'd love for them to be able to visit here, but it's it's just very, very difficult. And it's kind of it's kind of insulting and frustrating when it's like I would like to invite my friend to come visit you know my home I've been to her home, but people who are at the southern border can just break in and sneak in. Yeah, and you know there's even you know she's even had the joke she was like maybe I should just go to Mexico because then well they and, don't care and come up to the southern border get separated from your kids and get four hundred fifty thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. I want to say something though in your defense about that we did try to help some Afghani refugees and where did we help relocate them to Albania not here. Mm. Yeah. So we were working with these uh, other people, getting names on list of people that helped, and and we, I, we helped them get to Albania. I, I interviewed uh, uh, two Syrian brothers who were separated by the war in Syria. One was in Turkey, one was in Romania, and I was talking to. So what happened was, well before the war broke out, one brother got a visa to go to Romania to live and work. The younger brother didn't, you know, didn't. And then when war broke out, and they tried conscripting everybody. He was like, I need to get out of here because this country is falling apart. Yeah. But the only place you could go was Turkey. He can't enter the, you know, the EU or whatever. So I think Romania is EU, right? But uh, I was talking to the, the brother in Romania and he said the, the, the strangest thing to me was that so many of the people from Syria tried coming to Germany 
to France and to Europe instead of Lebanon, yep. where they spoke the same language. And I heard a story about uh, this may have been when I was in France, actually, not from one of the refugee brothers, that somebody w- who was from Syria who spoke Arabic had the opportunity to go and work as a lawyer in Lebanon, but decided to go and just be in a, in a refugee shelter in France instead. And they didn't understand why you would do that. And so this is one of the one of the issues we face. Ukrainians deserve help 100 percent. But why would we bring Ukrainians all the way out to the United yeah. States? There's so many countries in Europe that can, right. that can help. I mean, Poland is doing fantastic work to help them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They, yeah. uh, and, that's, and that's the way it should be. All those countries around should be rallying. And by the way, they should be rallying with military support, too, for Ukraine. Mm-hmm. They have the most to lose. They're right next door. Yep. yep. And they're saying Putin's becoming unhinged, if you're listening to the reports. It sounds like it. Yeah. It does. I, I feel like he... Look, the West has become more and more influential and grown, and Russia has been dwindling. And even you've got these young Russians who are on Instagram talking about how much they hate the war and their lives are being destroyed by it. And Putin is seeing that he's losing the culture war yeah. in Russia. And you, I don't know if you know this or not, but Texas's economy is so large that we have a larger economy than Russia. Yep. Wow. Yep. Let's read this one. This is from Caleb. He says, I'm an electrician, and we've been contracted to install secondary safety switches on diesel pumps at C.W. Matthews asphalt plants around GA because they have had so much diesel fuel stolen in the last month. Mm. Also, he says, no Ian, we peeing. Oh, man. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Like, you know, that's uh, what, what's happening with uh, stealing gas. Not TJ says, thank you, Randy. I moved to Austin, Texas a year uh, plus ago to be free, as, uh, and I am. Thank you for your help with that. Is there some, did I miss another one from TJ? I don't know. Maybe. I can't see it though. Cause he said also. So oh, sometimes super I chats are that. segmented. Yeah, they get into But he said thank you. There you go. Yeah. Welcome. All right. Patrick Reed says, Mr. Weber, why is there not more interest in thorium power? It seems like a technology that could be useful for energy production in the U.S. There, there actually is some discussion about fusion and thorium being on the Science, Space, and Technology Committee, but not so much right now as advanced nuclear reactors. Russia is outstripping us on nuclear reactors, and they're not our friend. There's a news flash that's come about in the last, what, two or three weeks or so. But there is talk about that. There is talk about it, but right now we're focused on the next round of what they call SMR, small modular reactors, um, and the oh. diff- a different style of reactors that don't just melt down when something's wrong. They have salt, uh, molten salt in them, and there's all kinds of technical stuff I could tell you. Thorium has been discussed briefly, but not as much as nuclear reactors. Right on. Nathan Coxie says, I'm Tim Poole, and I like a do da cha-cha. That's oh, what he yeah. wrote. It's a reference to uh, Bruce Almighty, for those that aren't familiar. <laughs> but I definitely had to read that one. Uh, good movie, by the way. I met the uh, the guy who uh, who made it, actually, one time in L.A. It's great. Rude, uh, Rude says, a question for your guest. How has geothermal energy come along and perform, assuming we have these systems? Well, I own my own air conditioning company for 35 years. Geothermal has been around a long time. It, we have it. We got it. You all got it here. It yeah. depends on what part of the country you're in mm-hmm. and what the electricity cost is and uh, how much the equipment cost is, installation cost. And are there, quite frankly, any governor, government subsidies? That all plays in. Where I am in the market in the Texas Gulf Coast, you just don't hardly see any of it because electricity is pretty reasonable. Mm-hmm. Well, so uh, – I'm assuming he's mentioning just like general geothermal energy generation, but we don't have enough. You need volcanic activity for that, yeah. right? Well, if you want the heat, you do. And you've right. got to be able to get heat to produce for your heat. You've got to be able to get cold during the wintertime through water, through your pipes, to, uh, for the air conditioning time. Now, I get it up here, or I guess 
Y'all don't have a real long air conditioning season here? Mm. Uh, well, it gets hot. Yeah, it, yeah, it does get hot. A couple months. couple months. I mean, it's the same as D.C., so, yeah. well, it's a little bit better than D.C., to be honest. D.C. gets swampy. Right. You get yeah. June to, June yeah, to October. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, to be, I, I like, you know, I like this, the, the thermostat at 68 degrees. And it works out because we have a geothermal system, sure. and it's cheap. It is sure. so cheap. That's why I say cost electricity yeah. in Texas is cheap, too. Now, people say, well, Randy, you really don't have a winter on the Gulf Coast of Texas. I said, yes, we do. It's probably the nicest week of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Must be nice. All right, everybody. If you haven't already, smash that like button. Subscribe to this channel. Share the show, as we've mentioned a million times now, if you'd like to help out. And go to TimCast.com. We're going to be filming that members-only segment right about now. You can follow the show at TimCast IRL basically everywhere, except TikTok, where we're banned. You can follow me at TimCast <laughs> basically everywhere. Uh, do you have anything to shout out, Randy? Well, I just want to say RandyWeber.org for ours. But listen, go to TimCast.com because you, <clears throat> you guys are doing the Lord's work. Oh, thank you. And so we appreciate that. Uh, we appreciate being on. Appreciate your audience listening. They, they sound like they get it. We love and, our uh, no, you betcha. We do too. So thank you all for the opportunity. All right. Appreciate it. Man, Lisa, really do you want to shout anything it. out? Or? Oh, I, you know, man, I'm just, just chilling. Just chilling. Well, all right. You guys have yeah. social media accounts or anything you want to mention? Yeah, well, he's TXRandy14 um, on Twitter and on Instagram Weber dot, as well. Weber.house.gov. Yep, yeah. and I'm uh, Lisa <coughs> Beth on Instagram and Lisa Elizabeth on Twitter. Of course, cool. then my standby campaign is uh, RandyWeber.org. Right Feel on. free to donate. Yep, yep. <laughs> My name is Seamus Coglin. If there's anything I'm here to promote tonight, it's Freedom Tunes. Go check it out. Watch Freedom Tunes. We released a new cartoon today on the industrial military complex. I think you guys will enjoy it. That is a great video. I highly recommend it. You Thank guys you, may Liz. follow me on TwitterMinds.com at Sour Patch Lids. We will see you all over at TimCast.com. Thanks for hanging out. Bye, guys.